the Heat Check Podcast. I am your host, Chris Patrick. We are recording this on Saturday, January 13th, 2024, and this is our 25th episode of the Heat Check Podcast. Holy shit. We are in a new year, ladies and gentlemen, and we are recording this for your viewing pleasure. Hopefully it works out. If it's up on YouTube visually, you'll know it. Otherwise, we'll just do it as we always had, but we're going to figure it out. We want to we want to keep expanding what we're doing and how we do it to bring you the best possible content possible. But guys, I got to introduce my co-host here. We have the world record holder for Ghost of Tsushima completion time, Michael Benjamin. What up, what up? How we doing, party people? 2024 is here, man. I can't wait to dive into the valley a little bit more than we already have been. What's going on, fellas? Man, I'm excited to be back here in a new year. Plenty to talk about. The Cardinals are looking up. Suns are looking. Uh, D-backs are doing some off-season moves. So, you know, plenty to be excited about. But we also have with us Charlie Woods math tutor, VSP Tallman. What's going on, dude? God, God damn it. What's up, fellas? Um, I didn't know he was struggling in math. I wouldn't say he's struggling. You're just helping him out a little okay. bit. Well, no, if you need a tutor, that means you're struggling, right? I mean, how how often are you tutoring? All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah. How every, often is the the less like the tutoring? Uh, it's like every Thursday. Every Thursday. Yeah. yeah. Do you fly out? Does he fly in? How he, does, no, he flies. He flies me out. That's smart. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a lot of the mathnasiums have shut down, so or, Tallman kind of cornered the market. It the, so the, it's pretty good, right? Thing. Or the the Kumon. Kumon, yeah. yeah or come on. <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> I'll, All right. I'll come yeah. on, Charlie. Yeah, fellas. Well, <clears throat> let's just go ahead and get right into it. We're going to be talking about the Arizona Cardinals. Their season just ended. Uh, they got the number four pick in the draft secured. So what do we think is going to happen with that? The Suns, like I said, they're being the Suns. I, I, we're going to talk about are they trending up? They had a pretty pretty good win against the Lakers earlier this week. And um, the trade deadline is, what did I write down here? It's coming up February 8th, I think. Yeah, February 8th. So in 26 days from today. Of course, as always, we're going to have this out for you early in the week. And then as well as the Diamondbacks, they settled four, six contracts with players to avoid arbitration, got one-year deals. So the boys are back. But guys, let's go ahead and get right into it. The Cardinal season ended. We've talked about this a bunch. We had our week 18 recap. We had our Valley Sports Plug roundtable. But I don't think we can talk about it too much. You know, they finished their season four and 13 and we had our predictions. Mike, you and I had them five and 12 and Tallman, you had them three and 14. So we were each only one game off up and down. So honestly, maybe we know what we're talking about, guys. Uh, Let's not go too crazy on that. When it comes down to the amount of games that I actually picked correct, I was only one out of four of the five that I had chose and they ended up with four wins but ah it's a lot better than last season I could say I mean I think I was the one who picked them to win 12 games and I I I not even close at the end of the day yeah last season I think we we can just throw that one out that was everything just fell apart and that's why we got the new regime here with Gannon and the gang but Tallman how do you feel about your uh your low prediction there well, the the low prediction was good. I mean, uh, I'm with Mike. I only got one right, but um, I, I I don't know. And then you mentioned the year before. I think I was a little pessimistic about that one too. Um, I think I only picked like nine or ten wins for him. Um, but three three and fourteen, it's it, it felt right. But again, at the same time, 
you know, it it was a good season though for a four win team. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and I think you both had them beating Washington in Week One, and none of us we, had. We should have won that game. It probably should have. Probably yeah. should have. But none of us, none of us had them beating the Steelers, the Eagles, or the Cowboys. Those were some big notable wins. Those are three playoff teams, right? It honestly says a lot. And I think we did. We beat the Cowboys without Kyler Murray, which is even more impressive. I think Joshua Dobbs was still at the helm. Looking back on our predictions in, in show prep there, I had him beating the Browns, and that was the Clayton Toon game. Yikes. <laughs> I mean, who could have saw that coming, though, right? No, that was a rough one. But, I mean, also back then, I think when we did our predictions, did we know if we had Josh Dobbs yet or not? I don't think we... Uh, no, because... No, I, what was the date on that? Oh. August something. 27th, I yeah, think? Or yeah, no, August 17th. was episode 20. Yeah, so, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have Dobbs until, what, a week before the season started? Like six days, like yeah. maybe not even yeah. two weeks. So we 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 were totally expecting Colt McCoy to be starting all those well, games. That was the thing when yeah. we were kind of listening back there before during show prep. I was talking about how I felt like Colt McCoy would be able to figure it out. <laughs> He's and, gonna figure it. Oh, he figured well, it out, right? I mean, and that was I before mean, training camp wrapped up, and we really understood how bad his arm was and how bad that situation was looking to be. But I think one good, like one big thing for me that kind of we, I maybe we didn't even recognize it in the beginning of the season, but now looking back for myself personally, is that Gannon and Austin Four aren't afraid to cut ties with people that aren't their guys. I mean, everyone was under the microscope. It's like everyone was basically auditioning for their job next season on who's going to stay, who's going to go, who's going to buy into this new system and the culture. And we can talk about the culture, of course. It's been a, even Kyler Murray said it's been a 180 shift from last year. And, and it's funny because when, we got Kyler and how that all went down is he was Cliff Kingsbury's guy. And that was the reason for hiring Kingsbury for drafting Kyler. And I think honestly, like when it's all said and done, this is going to be a better situation for Kyler. And for him to say it's a 180 really speaks to that. And you can just think about what they did and all the post game talk after that win in Philadelphia as well. I mean, everybody was back in their guy, JG they're in his corner, man. And they, went in there with the only thought that they needed to get a W for their leader. And to already have that really kind of cemented within a culture to start when so many different things continue to shift, like you're saying, Chris, so many guys from the old regime weren't brought back, weren't re-signed, and really putting a foot down and saying, hey, this is our leader of the future, so we need to – at least set an example right now. We know it's not going to be a crazy success of a season when it comes to wins, but to scratch that one out, go on that incredible two-minute drive, and our guy James Conner, what a season. I, I hope we can touch on him just a little bit, a little bit more than we've already talked about. But, man, what a stellar year for him. It was just a cherry on top. And on, honestly, guys, like after that, I don't think we needed to – worry about anything else for the rest of the year because that was just the win that we needed to take to really have really high hopes and just glaring excitement for what is coming with this Arizona Cardinals team moving forward. Yeah, a ton of optimism. I'll, I'll let you talk here, Tallman. But <laughs> oh no, <you're> good. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like like we've said, like it's crazy. Like number four pick in the draft, uh, finished with four wins and number four in rushing as a team. And that running back room was kind of beat up and disheveled. And I know a lot of those yards come from Josh Dobbs and Kyler as well, which is great that we have mobile mobile quarterbacks to go into that 
um, you know, room or what or those stats or whatever. But when you talk about like the culture change and Gannon coming in here and going to war for him in that Eagles game, Talman, was there ever a time where you felt like the Cardinals team was ready to go to war for Cliff Kingsbury? Oh man, no, no. And uh, a prime example of that is when Kyler Murray was on the sideline and he told him to calm the fuck yeah, down. Calm the fuck. Yeah. That was huge. I mean, yeah, yeah. that was huge. Yeah, absolutely. So that right there is. I mean, that disconnect between the most important player on your team and the head coach, I mean, I don't know. Cliff lost that locker room. He did. There's no doubt about it. He oh, lost yeah. that locker room. And it's it's a different feel right now around this organization where, uh, you know, uh, JG's came in and, you know, these guys are, are fighting for him. They bought and in, right? They did. They're, yeah. they're buying into it. And it's it's been so clear because... I mean, we're, we've been playing meaning, meaningless football for how many weeks at the at the end of that season? Five, six. It does. I mean, granted, we had zero expectations coming in. We were supposed to be the worst team in the league. All the the main uh, mainstream media was saying the Cardinals are the worst. They have the least amount of talent on the roster. So we had no expectations coming in, and how this team just continued to fight. No one gave up. There was no crying Buddha Baker in the locker room. Yeah, right. Thank Buddha goodness. was the only one going to war. Not maybe just for the Cardinals in yeah. general. And, last and season, he is the he's the man. Yeah, he's the heart and soul of this team. But that didn't happen this season because these guys all came together. And even with the lack of talent on the roster, we were able to beat. Granted, it was a, 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 a Eagles team that was circling the drain. Right. Grant, I guess we'll see what they do on Monday, but. Um, we were able to beat a team that when the season started, that was circled on the calendar because it was JG going back to Philadelphia, playing his his uh his old team, where all the Eagles fans, all the 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 Philadelphia media was blaming that Super Bowl loss on Jonathan Gannon. And <laughs> dude, it was that's just, so true, man. Yeah, it was. It really was. So, well, so it was big for Philly too, right? Yeah, to like prove that like JG ain't shit, basically. Yeah, and then, and then it's it's even better because you're going into Philadelphia. Not only do you beat the Eagles, but the Eagles are struggling. They're on a they're on a, a downtrend. Their defense is awful. What they have, how they had seventy sacks last season. I remember you said it on one of our streams, Mike. Um, I think they had. Uh, was it 30-something, 40-something sacks this season? So that defense is awful. And yeah. we're saying, okay, so what's going on with the Eagles' defense? Well, they lost their defensive coordinator. But then everyone wanted to point the finger because there's no halftime adjust, uh, adjustments excuse me, during the Super Bowl from Jonathan Gannon. Mm-hmm. But going into Philadelphia was incredible that we got that win. Uh, even the last game of the season against the Seahawks, like this, what this guy's getting from this team and just imagine what they could do in the offseason if we can add some actual solid talent through free agency in this draft. Uh, this team could do some special things next season. I, I think so. And like the optimism in the Valley is at an all time high. It's funny, like we continue to compare the Cliff Kingsbury, um, Steve Kime regime to the Monty Austin for Jonathan Gannon regime. And what I think is interesting is the fact that when, where is I going with this? I don't even remember, but it don't even matter. Mike, what I wanted to ask you and maybe put you on the spot here is we, we know those wins were surprising, right, against those three teams, but what was maybe a surprising loss that stands out to you? Ooh, I think after getting Kyler Murray back, having another nice drive in the fourth quarter to get a win against the Atlanta Falcons, I thought that they were going to have enough momentum to go to Houston and beat a young 
Texan squad with CJ Stroud, who I think at the end of the day is going to be the, you know, rookie of the year by far above anybody. Houston in general has been surprising, right? Well, obviously they win the division. They just absolutely jack stomped the Cleveland Browns in the playoffs today. And there were many opportunities down the stretch in that game for them to win and capitalize. I thought that they were going to have enough momentum coming off of Atlanta and just really riding the high from that because their franchise quarterback was back. But it also comes back to figuring things out, yeah, right? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. shaking off the rust, as I, you would say. I know you like that one <laughs> that's a, a lot. That's a Chris, so. or a, uh, yeah, Chris-ism. That's a criticism right yeah, there, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And, you know, it showed. But I think that was the biggest surprise loss to me this season, um, just because a lot of the unknowns that we knew with Josh Dobbs, I think. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, would I, would I have liked to scratch out that one in Washington? For sure collapsing against the New York Giants. That that yes. was mine. Like, that was going to be crying mine. in a that's Pittsburgh a casino. One, but yes. That was going to be my it's, pick. It's still a situation with a brand new guy that you brought in, what, six days before a season starts? Right. It's the same way that when Kyler Murray comes back, you give it a different kind of aspect when you look at it, though, because Kyler Murray, yeah, he just came back. He's coming back to football, but he's been around the system the entire season. So... You think that he's learning in the film room. You think that he's adjusting on the practice field because he was out there before he played plenty of times. Right. So that's why I would lean more towards that Texans loss. Even though they did make the playoffs, I think that was definitely a game they should have had. And that was one you really want to win also, right? When you're considering how we have their draft pick in the first round and how that would impact us going forward. Of course, that's just one game on their schedule. They had 16 others to to you know boast their schedule one way or the other. But Tom, and I guess you kind of just answered the question I was going to ask you, that you think the Giants was the worst loss of the season. And you could talk on that, but I also want to ask you if you were at all surprised, I guess based off our predictions, you weren't, of the Cardinals getting swept in the division, not winning a single game against a division <laughs> opponent. <laughs> yeah, starting with the Giants game. No, I, I I mean, that one was just, you know, when you boat race a team like we did in that first half against the Giants, it means halftime's 20 to 0. And then you just can't show up in the second half. Yeah. I mean, that was just like, it's right there. You have it in your pocket, but what's the name of the book? Um, <laughs> Walk it in my pocket. Right. Shout out Dr. Seuss. Jeez. But yeah, that one was, that one was tough for me. But um, I mean, what? Well, yeah, I did call. I did call that we we're going to go 0 and 6 in the division. And I mean, you I did. would, you I did. would it's love, all your fault, man. I, yeah, right. <laughs> I would love to know. I mean, I guess we should have the stat handy, but when was the last time we went zero and six in the division? I mean, it's probably, it, imagine we, it's been we a were while, we right? were splitting with Seattle for a while. San Francisco hasn't always been uh, the the best team, right? The so, Jeff Fisher era of the Rams. Of the Rams, like, yeah. So here's one thing that always sticks in my mind when it comes to that as well in regard to division play. I, I don't remember the exact year, but I remember one year when San Francisco went two and fourteen. <laughs> yeah, I, I see like you too. guys already know yes. and both of those wins were against the cardinals yeah it's just oh, that's that was crazy. that was the year we was that when we had adrian peterson oh that might have been 2017 oh shit sounds right because we were driving no. back from mexico, from mexico. mexico. yeah the first was, day, and, the and first we game lost that game and we did Buc- yeah yeah well, no, I thought that was the Buccaneers game when he went crazy. It was like his first time. Oh, maybe. That he had Did he signed. go crazy? Okay. I yeah, remember the West being super excited. I forget that Adrian Peterson was a Cardinal at one point. Because I feel like we were at Q Club or something watching. No. No, we, for one of the games, probably. Yeah. 
That was so long ago. Q Club, damn. Yeah, that was forever ago, but I mean, it, it's what I write here. Oh yeah, Mike. So if you do you think like with that Giants game, if that was played later in the season that we might have had a better chance? Was it growing pains more or less early in the season or do you think it, you know, either way? I mean, I mean you could talk we could obviously Kyler the, there's a big difference oh, there. Right. Too. Difference between Kyler later on in the season, I think the Cardinals absolutely run away with that game, especially if things flesh out the same way that it did for the Giants. You know, you're talking about no Daniel Jones, you're talking about the experiment with what's our guy the italian boy isabella oh no no, <laughs> no. In, in new york oh in new york oh uh De- De- devito devito uh, tommy, or, tommy, yeah. tommy devito I think yeah. So. yeah 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 I think it's a, a different situation but it also is the same thing when it comes down to just general nfl schedule for early season everybody's still trying to figure themselves out and you're talking about so much change basically not only with personnel but with play calling with offensive sets just everything changed over the season so it was going to take some time for even the guys who had been in the locker room for a long time Dennis Gardeck Buda Baker Jalen Thompson those defensive guys you saw them basically wilt away in the second half there and uh, yeah I think at the end of the day it's completely different Kyler Murray pulls that one out for you I know some of the conversations we had too. Kyler Murray pulls out the Washington win for you as well. So it's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's the biggest thing about the NFL at the end of the day, right? If you have competent quarterback play, sometimes they can just take over for your mishaps that you have or a lessened roster, right? Like, yeah, yeah, they yeah. can just make up for that. I mean, that's what we've been seeing with Kansas City over the past couple of seasons as well as they get their high profile weapons out. Patrick Mahomes still keeps them moving forward where they need to be. Yeah, it's like it, with the Chiefs specifically, it's not like Mahomes isn't getting them the ball. They're just dropping it, <laughs> including his number one target, Travis Kelsey. And I'm not here to talk about the Chiefs or any of that, but it's just it, you're right. I mean, you can do the if, ands, or what's about it when it comes to the starting quarterback, Daniel Jones, Kyler Murray, Josh Dobbs, Tommy DeVito, and, and things change throughout a season. So I guess for me, I think – we definitely could have won if we had Kyler Murray, but you you can't, you can't do that. And I do think there were some growing pains, like just to answer my own question, I guess. I think having these guys come in was kind of, everyone was learning on the fly to some extent, especially once we get Kyler back. But I did remember my question from earlier that I kind of forgot when talking about the contrast of the Cliff Kingsbury and Gannon era, we talked about in the Seahawks game, I think even in the Eagles game, there were some ballsy plays and the play calling, but more more so to what I was thinking of is how different it is having Cliff Kingsbury try and be the head coach and the offensive coordinator versus John Gannon bringing in Drew Petzing and Nick Rallis. How do you think about the coaching staff, Tallman? Do you think that those two guys are, are good, solid, you know, coaches for this team? Yeah, I think they've been great. Um, I was super skeptical about uh, the age of the coaching staff for sure in, right and the right. experience right it just wasn't there i mean this we're talking about a very young group of guys um young but still past their prime. yeah yeah but i mean even on uh some of the mainstream media they're you know they were giving kudos all season long to uh to this coaching staff about you know how they can manage the game right you know the the time management where i mean we saw time and time again 
Kingsbury taking the dumbest timeouts. The guy couldn't manage couldn't manage a, a game clock. Like it was ridiculous. But um, we did. I mean, I'm not gonna say Gannon didn't have a couple times where he did mess up throughout the season. But the one where I was, I mean, I even texted you guys against in the against the Eagles that Eagles game where you tie the game and then what was there five minutes left, six minutes left, and then he he decides to go for the onside kick. And I'm sitting there like, what are you doing? The game is tied. <laughs> like, the, wh- what? Why would you? So you're. Well, what is the possibility of you picking up this onside kick? It's pretty low, yeah. right? What is it? Maybe five, ten percent chance that you get it. Maybe I don't know. Who knows what what the season stat was this year? Obviously, it fluctuates. But I, I'm like, what? You're going to give it to the Eagles' offense, and they're going to have the ball at their own forty. You know, that's. But it, it turned out to be a genius coaching decision because he wasn't going to sit there and you know kick a touchback to the Eagles have the Eagles run down the field run out the clock and he didn't want to sit there and be on the sideline as the Eagles kicked a game-winning field goal you know he said worst case scenario we onside kick we don't get it the Eagles run down the field they score a touchdown boom we got three minutes to come back and score a touchdown and tie the game go to overtime and then you know what our defense showed up they held him to a field goal and we still had three minutes to come down, and guess what? James Conner runs it in for a touchdown, and we won the game. So it turned out to be an incredible coaching decision by him, and I'm sitting there eating <laughs> breakfast. Like, what? I, granted, I think it was like 12 That's o'clock. a late breakfast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, okay, I was, I was at a breakfast a place. Night, yeah, but I was, like, I was like, what the hell is he doing right now? But it turned out to be... It, it just incredible. I mean, that's that's the definition of time management. You don't want to be sitting on the sideline as the team just eats out the clock and they're watching him kick the game-winning field goal. So props to him. Yeah, and it is funny because talking about like Cliff Kingsbury, I, I even said a long time ago that he looked like a scared pussy out there. <laughs> Literally every week, week in and week out, Cliff just looked panicked. He looked scared. But JG, from what I've seen of the sideline shots, he looks cool, calm, and collected, even keel. At all times. Well, even like when times. they won the, the his first one as a head coach against the Cowboys, nonetheless. Remember, they asked him how it felt, and he's he they couldn't get a reaction out of him in, in the in the post game or any uh, any press conference that he did. Like yeah. he would not react. I've really come around on Jonathan Gannon, honestly. He, it seems like he's a pros pro, and Mike. Um, when it when it kind of comes to that, like Jonathan Gannon, so far has that been a success in your mind? I 100% think so, right? You can't just look at a record, right? You go the same as last year. If you're on the outside looking in, people are probably wondering, is this the, was this the right hire? Like, are they bringing in the right people? Yeah. But for people who have paid attention to this team through a tumultuous season, we saw the ups, the downs, and the honest, real nice climb that we made to end this season, right? We didn't scratch out some wins that we obviously could have. But everything about this culture is moving in the right direction. The players are bought in. We got a freaking GM that's on the sideline getting more hype than <laughs> players, than in more than half the players that should be absolutely excited about going into Philadelphia and honestly damaging Philadelphia in their way back into the playoffs. Like, good luck to them, man. Like, uh, they probably will scratch out that win against Tampa Bay, but then they're going to run into a buzzsaw See. and it's going to be a wake up call. I feel like at the end of the day, especially with Jalen hurts his finger, but like it is a hundred percent a success. 
we still have to take it in a bite size, right? Because this is only one season. You have to see how it goes. There were plenty of times that we did talk about Cliff Kingsbury and we were like, okay, it's going in the right direction, right? We got four wins and seven wins. Okay, now we're starting nine and one. And then after that absolute ass slamming by the Rams, (laughs) like just everything fell off the cliff, right? Yeah. Pun intended, I guess. There you go. At the end of the day. But uh, as long as the trajectory keeps going the right way, and they start building what they want, this is going to be a successful team in the next couple of seasons. I can see that. Yeah, things are definitely trending in the right direction. And a a big part of that forward momentum is going to be our draft position and who we end up taking in this upcoming draft. Like I mentioned, we have the number four pick in the draft. A lot of eyes are on Marvin Harrison Jr. I think I can speak for the three of us in saying we hope that that's who they get. But there are, Absolutely. there are also some other pressing needs on this roster. When we talk about the offensive line, the defensive side, the cornerback position, there are definitely spots that need to be filled. And with all of our draft capital, I think that can probably, you know, we can find guys within that. But then you're asking rookies to perform year one. And I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably the guy who would make the biggest impact as a rookie on this roster. And, and we'll get into who we might be keeping in free agency or getting in free agency. But focusing on the number four pick right now, as we sit here with the fourth position, we're looking at three quarterbacks potentially being taken one, two, three, which is good for us. And what is that? It's uh, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, and Caleb Williams. Williams. I I don't know why I forgot Caleb Williams. But yeah, um, not going to talk about those three guys really because I don't give a shit. But I I do think Marvin Harrison Jr. is that guy that we need to get, but it seems like there's a bit of a divide. I don't know how wide it is, but there are people who think that we should take an offensive lineman with the first pick. I think the right now the mock drafts have that O lineman going fifth or sixth, from what I've seen. I forget his name. I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me. But Tom, would you? I think it's Joe Alt. Joe Alt. Yeah, there yeah, you go. From Notre Dame, right? Yeah, He's correct. been yeah. kind of the consensus number one overall tackle right now. Yeah, and and I think the argument for that would be just to play devil's advocate is that guys at that position are not easy to find. Like you can find a receiver pretty much anywhere, but can you find a Marvin Harrison Jr. anywhere? And I know he's just a guy coming out of college. We don't know what he's going to be in the NFL. But Tallman, where you sit today, if you're Monty Austinfort and the draft is right now on January 13th, are you drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. with that fourth pick? 150%. I mean, come on. And then you, you mentioned it. You don't know... You know, what you're going to get out of any guy any you draft. Of them, right. Yeah. But, I mean, look at what Marvin Harrison Jr.'s dad did. He's... Uh, it's in the bloodline. Yeah. I mean, come on. And and then look at his measurables. I mean, the guy's, what, 6'4", 210, 205. The guy's got some good speed, great body control, great hands. I mean, you, you can't you can't teach that size, right? I mean, he's he's going to be incredible in this league, and he's going to be a day-one starter. And it's somebody that you can't pass up on. You know, he's going to be the next Larry Fitzgerald in the desert, 100%. That's the, that's the idea. Yeah. Bold, bold claim. I don't no, disagree. No, he is. No, he is. Absolutely. He, he will be. And, I love it. And, all, and if, you, if you get the chance to draft that kid, it doesn't matter what you do. You lock him down long term. You don't let him leave this city. 
And you mentioned uh, the court, and I'm with you on the quarterbacks going one, two, three. Yeah, it's going to happen because what is it? Uh, the Bears, the Commanders, and the Patriots are ahead of us, right? Yeah. So right now, as Arizona fans, we just got to hope that Chicago has given up on Justin Fields. Which, if you go back and look at Justin Fields' history as a starter in Chicago, it's not good. And so, how long are you going to sit around and wait for him to figure it out? He's had enough time to try to figure it out. So I'm fully on there. There's some mocks out there saying. They're going to stick with Fields, the Bears, and the Bears are going to take Marvin Harrison Jr., number one, or they're going to trade with the Commanders and then take him number two. So I, I don't believe that. I, I think the the Bears are going to take Caleb Williams, 100%. That's going to happen. So should, yeah, honestly. And then so yeah. you're yeah. going to see Williams, you're going to see May, and then the only thing that Jaden Daniels has ever done for the state of Arizona was win the Heisman Trophy at LSU because <laughs> he's going to gift us Marvin Harrison on a platter at number four because yeah. the Patriots are going to take Jaden Daniels at number three. And I've, I've also heard the possibility of the Giants moving up into one of those top yeah. three picks as well. And that could be a Bears target. Maybe they, tr- maybe they send Caleb Williams – or not Caleb Williams. Maybe they send um, – Who's the Bears coach or Bears quarterback right now? Justin Fields. Justin Fields. Sorry. Yeah, maybe they send Justin Fields to New York, or maybe they trade the pick so that the Giants can get Caleb Williams. But I think from a, like all the hype around surrounding him, USC really didn't do shit. But Caleb Williams is the consensus it, number one overall. Yeah, pick but, right but it now. was but it was USC's defense. Okay, so Caleb Williams, the, their offense was great. Yeah, right. Their, their defense yeah. was awful. You know that it wasn't Caleb Williams' fault. Right. So he still had a good season, but. The defense did not help them out. So, well, that just shows you how much I know about college football. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know, you're absolutely right. Like with Jaden Daniels securing that Heisman, that really bumped up his draft. He had an stock. incredible season. And what's crazy is, which is why why couldn't Ed, uh, Herm Edwards get that out of him? Right. But and there and that's crazy. Even it's aside from those, <laughs> getting us like, in man, trouble. You go win the Heisman. At L- why couldn't you do that here in AS- at ASU? I'm saying, but there's other guys that are also potential quarterback first round picks, like Bo Nix. Well, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. I think so too. On, honestly, uh, on draft day, on the first day. I think he goes higher than what he's projected. I think so. And not to derail the conversation, but I talked to my brother about, like, should the Steelers look at Bo Nix? And I, I don't know if you can give up on Pickett that early. But when you look at the Bears, is that not what they're doing with Justin Fields, giving up on him a little bit early? We, um, you could say the Cardinals no, gave up no. on Josh Rosen. It's almost <laughs> it's it's almost similar. But I, obviously, obviously, Justin Fields is way better than Josh Rosen. I don't even know if he's in yeah. the league anymore. No, I don't think he is. But when you're talking about where you had a... a a first round quarterback that you drafted and then in the near future in the Cardinals case the next year you draft another number one overall pick there's a lot of parallels between Kyler and Caleb Williams Uh, there are but also I think you have to think about regime changes as well when it comes down to the the changing of the guard with a quarterback right I mean we had Steve Wilkes with Josh Rosen then we switch over to Cliff Cliff Kingsbury they go with Kyler because they think it's going to be a system fit yeah is Matt Eberflus going to stick around in Chicago I think a lot of people are saying that he's on the hot seat oh he's going to stay he'll stay for this next season at least yeah yeah, Black Monday has come and gone but the Justin Fields experiment just hasn't gone where it needs to go because I don't know if it's that they're not putting him in proper successful just options for his game but i mean a guy who has seven completions in games like multiple times like is that just game plan or is that him not following through and and finding his guys when he needs to i think that the justin fields experiment needs to be done in chicago because they've 
they're in a good spot to take a generational type player when it comes down to Caleb Williams, which is the same way we hope that it pans out for us, right? Yeah, 100%. I got to touch on Marvin Harrison, guys, because, man, if we were to end up getting him, I might shed a tear. And it's not just because (laughs) of the player that he could be. It's because the damn Cardinals won't be picking a five foot seven wide receiver in the top three rounds for the first time in who knows how long. I mean, like, my goodness, right? We do have uh, – you guys know me. I'm always about spreading the ball and having different options, right? If Rondell Moore is going to still stick around, you can have him in the slot. You can have give him some pitches, get him into some gadget plays. You know, Michael Wilson, hopefully he can be a, another guy who can, Michael. you know – Tallman's favorite, get, Michael Wilson. <laughs> go for jump balls. He's not 6'4", though. He's a little bit taller of a receiver. But, like, that, he was yeah. our only big option. Like, we haven't had a guy that we can just be like, let's throw the ball up 25, 30 yards down the field. I don't care if he's in double coverage or blanketed. We trust that he's going to come down with the ball 8 out of 10 times. Well, that's like, what we enjoyed about having DeAndre Hopkins here. Right. Uh, right. And But it's still, like, DeAndre Hopkins wasn't a big guy. Not as no, like not that there's big. something different when you come down to somebody who has that kind of speed and that kind of size when it when it comes down to height. Like it's a game changer. So you can still have your smaller guys. Uh, we're probably going to touch on Greg Dortch. Bring him back. He's a produ- he's a producer. He makes plays. So you can still have your balance. But to get that big of a receiver with that kind of size. I'm already tearing up about it right now. God, if, if we don't get Marvin Harrison Jr., I'll probably cry. If we, <laughs> so, there's going to be either tears way, no matter so, what. Either way, there's going to be some tears. So talk about that scenario that the Bears or somebody else picks him before the Cardinals pick at four. Then you take Joe Alt, right? You do, 100%. You have to. You go you? Offensive okay. right. I think you do. I think yeah. you go offensive lineman because DJ Humphreys is going to be out probably the so, entire of next year, I was, right? I was listening to – sorry, go ahead. I was about to change. Oh, I, I think he was done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Humphrey's going to be out. Yeah, he's going to be out most yeah. of the year next season. Um, so I was listening to 98.7, and I was listening to the morning show, Bickley Murata, and I guess like the whole, all of them got the flu or something. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was I heard a total that. Yeah, yeah. It was like Tim so Ring and do, someone else. You guys yeah. know who um, Scotty Williams is? He played oh, yeah. on the Chicago uh, he Bulls. He played for the Suns. Yeah, the yeah, Suns. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he like he won a bunch of championships. With. I think he won two he might have won three. He might have won the first three with Chicago. With Chicago, yeah. yeah. He was there. Yeah. 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 Okay. So he was filling in, right, with Tim Ring. Yeah. And my goodness. So I was listening to it, and they were talking about the Cardinals. All right. So I know he's a basketball player. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Does this man not know anything about football, dude? He's, all right. First off, he started about he started off his first comment about the Cardinals where he said, oh, and their franchise quarterback, um, um, and the Tim Ring's like, Kyler Murray? He goes, oh, yeah, Murray. He didn't even know his name. And he's on the major sports radio in Arizona. He didn't even know the name of the Cardinals quarterback. I mean, fill in, I guess. But it gets worse. It gets worse. So then they're they're talking about their draft position, right, in the upcoming draft. And um, so... um, does he go by Scotty or Scott? I think it's is Scott he, Williams. Is he, Scott Williams. Scott, yeah. Why did I say Scotty? I, I don't know. I don't know. What is he, like it? 14? <laughs> and he's going to go by Scotty? Um, anyway, so they're talking about the, his their draft position. And he's like, uh, well, what about if someone takes Marvin Harrison Jr. 
don't you think the Cardinals should, if they're staring at, so, okay, so Harrison goes with the Browns, or with the Browns, with the Bears. I see where this is going. Uh, Williams goes, uh, Patriots take Daniels. Do you get why, Drake May? Why wouldn't the Cardinals pick Drake May? Oh and I'm God. sitting there, I'm like, Yikes. he can't be for real right Did he now. just say that with a straight face? Yeah. I mean, it's the radio, so you don't I know. Mean, I mean, do <laughs> you, you really think the Cardinals are going to take Drake May number four? And I, I'm sorry, I was just, that was, I listened for another minute and a half and I turned it off because I, I just couldn't. It was just awful. But, yeah, I, I, you know, to, to give them a bit of grace, I was also listening to that show in the morning driving to work, and they had basically no show prep because yeah, those guys I, got I did, sick, you yeah, know? Like, I, I did, yeah. So we'll, we'll give them a little bit of So he was flying by the seat of his pants, probably doesn't know shit about the Cardinals or really no, about not, football, He didn't even know like. Kyler's name. Yeah, 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 that's tough. But, but I, I get what you're, where you're yeah, coming from. And I, I see what you guys are saying, where if, if Harrison's not there, you get, you take an offensive lineman. I'm, I'm more of a... So if Harrison goes, there's a quarterback still on the board that people are coming after. Trade. I, I think you, you, trade you, you trade back. Yeah. You trade back. I don't think you want to trade back too far. Not, not no, too far. No, 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 no. Because, I mean, you still have that security, the security pick where you're going to have a, a mid-20s, you know, uh, first-round pick with, from the Texans. Because, I mean, come on. I mean, they kicked the shit out of the Browns today, but they're not going to win the Super Bowl. Okay. Absolutely not. Um, I'm sorry. So you're, you're going to have a decent pick in the late mid twenties, not late. I'm going to say mid twenties. Um, that's still pretty late in the draft. Well, though. yeah, like, but it's still, but it's still first draft. round. That's yeah. first round talent. Well, yeah, though. You're still going to yeah, get yeah. a really good player. So you trade that back, but I still, you can't go out of the top 10 though. No, I don't think you want to do that at that point. I mean, like we've talked about the other needs, like, we're thinking we're going to take a cornerback at some point in the first two rounds, right, Mike? You have to. What is the big name that keeps coming out? Kool Aid McKinstry. Kool Aid. Yeah. It's only Kool Aid, and then there's the other kid from Iowa. I can't remember his name, but Excuse really, me. those are the only yeah. top two corners. Is that are... the white corner? Not a first round pick. Is his last name white or is his skin white? No, there's literally a, a guy with skin like ours, white guy who is projected to be drafted this year. There's going to be the first white corner since like oh 98. Since Jason Seahorn of there you the go. New York Jason Giants. Seahorn. Let's go. Do you know what his last season was? I don't. You're the, oh, you're the trivia guy. It had to be 99. 90-something. Around oh there. God. I think it might have been that year when the Giants went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I think that was the first time the Ravens Colin's Googling won. white cornerback right now. <laughs> no, I am not doing that. Okay? Derailment. Derailment. I am pulling up the mock draft. At the end of the day, I think the beautiful thing is Jesus no matter where you maneuver within the first round, you're probably going to have multiple picks and you're going to probably have multiple opportunities to get both sides of the ball better. Because, guys, we know this roster still is going to have a lot a lot of work to do but it's great to see that we have things solidified like we know kyler murray is the guy yeah right we know that we're going to bring back james connor and hope that he can have another stellar season on the other side of 30 like there is hopes that but what you know you have to go off of what you know right i mean james connor only played what 11 games but he rushed over a thousand yards for the first time in his career like that's a positive that's something that you know we also know that, like you said on our last roundtable, Chris, it was a laundry list and just like going through new guys on this running back room, and we still yeah. ha- end up with the fourth most rushing yards in the NFL. So there's a lot of work to do. That's why I'm more so 
really excited to see what firsthand happens in free agency with the amount of money that we have to play with to see what they start attacking first because then I think that's really going to shed a light on what they're going to do in the first round and they'll you know is Monty going to pull out the bag of tricks again and be pulling out and trying to get new draft picks for next year as well and keep you know working on this rebuild as we go on so and I think that's a great that's a great point. And I think probably where we should start wrapping up this Cardinals conversation is what they are going to do in free agency. And I, we have a big question to ask. I think Hollywood Brown is up for a contract. Um, we got Greg Dorch. And so when you think about us drafting a wide receiver, potentially, I, I would assume you can almost plug in Marvin Harrison Jr. if we're able to get him as that wide receiver one. So do you need a Hollywood Brown? Is he willing to take a second fiddle position? be a slot guy. I know he's Kyler's guy. They went to college together. They're best buds. They're always seen courtside at Suns games. But Tom, and like, I'll just ask you this question. Do you think the Cardinals should keep Hollywood Brown? Just simple as that. No, I'm done with him. I am, you know, say, sayonara, brother. I'm with you. you you're out of you. here. You, I mean, <laughs> it's, <laughs> come on. Bye-bye. Also, by the way, yeah, it is the white cornerback. What's his name? Um, Cooper DeJean. Or In something? the first round? Yeah, he's he's projected as a first round pick. Could there be a wider name? Cooper Dijon. Cooper I, well, Dijon. Like, I don't, I'm I'm butchering his last name. It's not Dijon Mustard. How is it spelled? Uh, D e j e a n. No, you might be right. Dijon. Dijon. Yeah. Dijon. Yeah. Right. It's probably like French. Dijon. Oh, okay. Anyway, well, uh, Tallman, what if he was to come back on a team friendly deal? Like maybe a no, two year. No, I don't. I don't care. You don't dollars. have. He doesn't. No. No, because he's not going to. Okay. I mean, how how old? But is he's asking the, the hypothetical. If he was willing, but, well, who's if gonna, he was, and he's not paying him wide receiver Mike, one money. Do you Mike, franchise tag? Do you know him? how much money he's making? Absolutely. He's making like two. No, you don't. You franchise Hollywood? Are you out of your mind? There's I no didn't one else. Ask to... That why are you? Oh, <laughs> sorry. Like, all right. Did, did you? Oh, it was I thought you said absolutely. Oh, absolutely I, not. Absolutely I think is what not. Mike was saying. No, yeah. no flipping way. Um, right now, Hollywood Brown's making like two million dollars a year. He's not going to play the rest of his career for $2 million. No, right? no, I wouldn't expect Unless it's to. a one-year prove it, but he's not going to sit here and think that he has to prove it. Um, but he does. He has to prove it to this organization, or they'd be sitting here chomping out the bit to sign him to a long-term uh, contract, right? No, he's done. You don't need him. If you get Marvin Harrison, then you're sitting here. Harrison won. Oh, it pains me to say it. Michael Wilson too. <laughs> um, then you then you have uh, you have Rondell Moore. Dorch. So, so you have your you have your top two guys are your tall receivers, right? Six four, six two, and then you got Moore, and you got you give the man Dorch some playing time. Well, hold on a second. You do. He's gonna come up to wide receiver four, and he, that's gonna be your top four. And you don't need to pay. You don't need Hollywood Brown. Yes, I'm. I'm with you. You don't now, need him. The one thing that I I want pay ask, somebody else. I want to ask another hypothetical. How about on the other side of the ball? Are we at the end of Rondell Moore's contract as well? Like, are uh, we at the point where we have to make decisions? Is it a fifth year option? No, we haven't had him for that long. He, no, no, he no, got no, drafted no, in 2021. We got him. He's okay, secured so for another he's, year. He's, he's still, still yeah. He's still yeah. On, under because contract, that yeah. would have been a great question to have. If you come down to a situation where you have to pick between Hollywood Brown and Rondell Moore, and you can pick one and give them a team-friendly contract, who are you going with? Because I think I'm going with Hollywood Brown because Rondell Moore is the epitome of a one-trick pony. 
Now, yeah, okay. Hollywood Brown, it seems, has some, now, you know, frown on me if you want, but I think because he's been put into a situation where he needs to be the wide receiver one, he's gotten blanketed a lot more, and he just isn't that guy. He's not a wide receiver one, which is crazy that he thinks he's going to command that money this offseason, but... If you're going between those bo- those two guys, like if I'm looking at putting Hollywood Brown into a Rondell Moore spot, I think Hollywood's going to be more successful at the end of the day. Like Rondell Moore is just he he's he just hasn't hit like we thought when he was coming out of Purdue. Yeah, he just has not gotten his proper footing, and it seems like he got plenty of opportunities this season, and he did have some spurts where he showed it. But like I said, it was the one trick pony thing. Most of the time, I think that I'd probably go with Hollywood. I think that is a great point, though, when you mentioned he had to be in that number one slot, have the number one corner on the team covering him. If you have him in a second secondary position behind maybe a Marvin Harrison Jr., they're probably going to put their best receiver on him, especially depending on the height differential, because corners aren't always the tallest guys. They usually hover about six foot or less. So, Tallman, do you would you give credence to that that Hollywood could succeed in a number two position rather than having to be the primary guy? No, we we I mean, hold on. How many t- how many games do we see it with uh, Hollywood and D Hop? Okay, I know, know D Hop got hurt. Not right? a great sample size. I, I don't yeah. think. and then Hollywood did step up when uh, D Hop went down. He did have a couple good games. Because you might talk about the connection with Kyler too. Like those guys are buds. Yeah, like they but have that was to have. back in fucking college, man. This is a totally I, different game. I, anyone that can. But they're friends. College, off, they're friends off the field, though. They're football. also friends off the field. How many games did we have Hollywood, Kyler, and D Hop together? Yeah. Because remember, the game before D Hop was supposed to come back from his suspension was when Kyler Holly, went down. No, it was oh, when, when Hollywood. Yeah, when Hollywood went down. Oh, messed, right. Yeah, yeah, messed yeah, yeah. his ankle up. And then he was out for a while, and then what? They came back, maybe played a game and a half together, mm-hmm. and then Kyler tore his ACL. Yep, and that was it. So that's so still there not wasn't a big, sample size. It wasn't a big sample size. Yeah. yeah. What but, but, magic really could have came out of a tandem like yeah, that? So okay, so you're upset about Rondell Moore's production? I'm pissed, the, the kid. man. I'm not. I'm not upset. <laughs> I'm pissed because I'm all flip I flipped this couch. All right I now. heard when he was brought out of Purdue was just the the crazy speed the change of pace whatever and it's like yeah we've seen some where's brandy (laughs) i like his potential though but but the guy can't make just a general like seven yard catch it seems like more than half the time like we gotta get him in end arounds like we gotta get him in deep shots like he doesn't he doesn't play (laughs) the wide receiver position it seems like half the time no he doesn't but uh, so the kid is 23 years old He's he's costing you not a lot of money. He's what a second round pick. That's true. And then you're gonna have Hollywood Brown, who's 26. He's gonna be 27. He's looking big term or long term. Big term. Big term. Uh, big L. Rest in peace. Um, long term for Bring his future. So he's not gonna he's not gonna do no hometown sweetheart no. deal. No, no, he, no. He's looking for four or five year deal. And he's looking for probably ten, fifteen million dollars a season. And right now, if if you're going to be drafting or you know hoping that you're going to be drafting the best receiver in the, to come out of college in the last ten years, you don't give a shit about Hollywood Brown. You're going to take what type of uh, what kind of positivity you got of Michael Wilson's uh, end of the season. You're going to hope that he stays healthy, and then you're going to be excited about what Greg, uh, what. 
the torture chamber did <laughs> in an elevated role. And then you're going to think, okay, I can piece together those four guys already listed off minus Hollywood Brown on the outside looking in. You don't need that guy. You don't need to pay him that money because he's not – I'm telling you but right now. But the money's there. He's the not, money's there. Yeah, but – yeah, but, <laughs> Okay. But, all right. No, no, no. Forget I'm the offense for a yeah, second. Okay. Talk about off. the defensive I'm side cut. of the ball. No, no, no. Don't I'm, pay him I'm shit. Cutting you off because at the end of the day, I'm aligned with you, Tallman. I know. The, I know you are. <laughs> I know. The situation was more so the hypothetical we're living in la-la land. If that situation were to arise, that's where I'd be at. But sure. yes, you're making yes. the right decision. Rondell Moore is too young. He has shown some upside. You, But... Man, you just got to go with the guy who makes plays more on a consistent basis and make sure that he's on the field more in Greg Dortch. You got to resign him. You got to make sure that he's a part of this offense. Without next a year, doubt. Yeah. No matter what happens at the end of the day, because you it's a known commodity. It's a known commodity at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we had our wide receiver, our wide receiver struggles. We do. We know that. Yeah. But we had, I think we had way more problems on the defensive end. When it comes down to bringing any kind of pressure, I mean, we talk about Dennis Gardeck <laughs> leading the team in sacks. That's with tough. Sick, That's tough. With six, so a, a lot more issues to solve over there. Starting cornerbacks, who are they? You know, we talk about the guy who was getting the most playing time at the end of the season, and Antonio Hamilton is a free agent as well, so... That's where it gets exciting with this free agency coming up because of the money you can spend. And it will be exciting to see, like I said, what they invested in. If they go heavy on the defensive end, then you know what's coming at four. Yeah. Or they're going to get creative when it comes down to getting that offensive weapon. That's a great Marvin point. Harrison Jr. Yeah, no, there's going to be a ton of questions, whether it's the draft or free agency, what the Cardinals are going to be doing. But there's a lot of time between now and then. And we're just going to have to see how it all shakes out. But enough about the Cardinals. It's time that we move forward and continue on to these other topics we have on the docket almost an hour in I did not expect us to go that long on the Cardinals if we're being perfectly honest but I'm glad we did a lot of good conversation that we didn't get to have on any of our previous um, streams or whatever but the Phoenix Suns right so Mike you didn't want to talk about them at all on our last round table and I think justifiably so they have been they have been not meeting expectations at all. This roster has just been a complete, you know, an utter, I don't want to call it a shit show, but it's like not quite what we expected, right? But are they trending upwards? We talked about the big win they had against the Lakers, and Bradley Beal dropped 37 points in that game, 8 of 10 from the three-point line. Like, that is what we were hoping to see from Brad Beal. And it's funny because the day before that game when we were doing that roundtable, I think, or maybe not even the roundtable, I think our Suns recap, actually, I said that Brad Beal isn't a superstar. He's just a star. But I, maybe maybe he heard, maybe he was trying to prove me wrong that he is a superstar. So I guess, Mike, I'll pass it over to you first. Do we really have a big three when it comes to three big superstars on our team? Yeah, we have a big three. I mean, as, as much as it pains me to say. Okay, it doesn't pain me to say because this is what we've hoped for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For a long time, Bittman Booker said that he wanted to bring the super team to him. But we are far away from being a super team right now. There is still some time to figure things out, but... I was doing this. If you guys are watching on the podcast, <laughs> I was imitating the left in and out that Bradley Beal hit Austin Reeves with. He did it four or five times. I can't believe Austin Reeves fell for that. Man. Every it was single such time. A, it it kind of seemed like such a simple move, but it was nice for, of him to finally 
hit that kind of mark, show what kind of lethal score that he can be within this system. And they did some really nice things against the Lakers. One of the big things that I really liked in that game was putting Bradley Beal in the pick and roll with Kevin Durant handling the ball, right? They were hedging. He was finding the down drive, and KD was finding him in that 12, 14-foot mid-range jumper game, getting him some options, and leaning on the hot hand at the end of the day. This team, man, it's it's still going to be a work in progress because you got to figure out who needs to go when and what guys need to take over in certain spots. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think it's really good that Devin Booker starts off strong to set the pace for your team because Kevin Durant is one of those guys who's going to find his spots no matter what. But as long as we're not falling back into this one-on-one basketball, guys, this is something that we've talked about for a very, very long time, where you get complacent with having these stars, these superstar scorers who can go and get a bucket whenever they want. It's great. There's times you're going to need it. But throughout a game to get some flow going, you have to get in some sets and get some guys moving a little bit more. It was just too much standing and watching while one guy dominated the ball late in a shot clock. And it led to some absolute collapses. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling it back. I'm pulling it back, guys. <laughs> you can't get it's not too high it's not too low there it like is it's, there it, it is that's a micism you can't there get excited is. after a win to you can't get too excited after a win against the los angeles lakers teams who who themselves has been struggling mightily since they won the nba season tournament yeah they have been in a pickle guys like it's been <laughs> it's been real tough for them it's going to be a big test down the stretch here in January because they're going to have to go on a long road, uh, you know, a long road streak away from home and really capitalize on some of these teams that are honestly not too high when it comes down to the Eastern Conference. I mean, we're talking about Magic, Heat, Nets, Bulls, Hawks, Wizards, but. I'm looking at the games against the teams that are over 500. We need to start pulling these kind of games out against the Kings, the Pelicans. We play the Pacers twice. I know that they're in a tough situation right now with Tyrese Halliburton out for a while now too. I think it was two to three weeks from his ankle. Yeah. And another matchup with the Mavs. Got to pull those kind of games out for me to have true confidence in where this team is going. Yeah, we got to start beating the good teams. And you just, you, we talk about the games they had prior and during this run. They're 3-3 three and three here in the new year. And one of those losses was to a Ja Morantless Grizzlies team. Yikes, and, dude. And that's just, you can't have that. And Devin Booker even said after that game is they just didn't ex- execute the game plan to stop Jaron Jackson Jr. And regardless of Jaron Jackson Jr., when you don't have John Morant on the Grizzlies, they've been a bottom feeder this season. And they're going to be without him for the rest of the season now that he had that shoulder surgery. It's just crazy to me that the, that we are able to get these wins. The the win against the Lakers, I think, was the first one against what you could say a quote-unquote good team is. But even like you said, the Lakers have been struggling since they won that in-season tournament. We need to start beating good teams. We have to be able to beat the Clippers. If we can't even beat the Clippers, what are we going to do when it comes to be playoff time? And Tom, and I know you had mentioned at the onset of this season that you were optimistic in general about the Phoenix Suns this year. Do you still carry that same level of optimism? I, I do, but at the same time, 
I run out of time, man. I mean, what are we, <laughs> we're just going to keep saying the same thing over and over again. It feels like it. it we, and we are. We have been. Uh, because what it's it's six games now with the big three. Is it? It's only six, right? Is that it? It's only six aye games. Aye aye. Full games. Um, but and then you mentioned the Lakers struggling. Yes, but that was the first time we beat the Lakers this season. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. So that's good, right? We you go to L.A. You beat the Lakers, you know, on their home court, um, and you beat them, you know, handily, right? Like it wasn't a close game. You know, we kicked the shit out of we, them. We whooped their ass. Yeah, yeah. we we did. So that was great. And then you got, that was a Devin Booker's get right game because he's been struggling the last couple games where he hasn't been looking like Devin Booker. So to to sit here and say, oh, I'm optimistic. Well, no, I'm at the point where, hey, this is it. This is get right time. This is, you're out of time to sit here and I'll say, oh, well, they haven't been playing together, right? So it's it's time for them to figure it out and and start winning basketball games. Like you said, perfect, per- perfect thing you said was against good teams, right? Yeah. So it, really though, it's, uh, I don't know. I, and I want to say I'm optimistic because it's only been six games because it has only been six games. And Bradley Beal has shown in his last performance that he can shoot the ball and he can not defer and he can be, you know, a primary scorer. So it's, it's, and you mentioned, oh, we beat the Lakers and we're trending upwards now. And then Mike laughed at that. But <laughs> I mean, at the same time, you know, we're going to take what we can get right now because we have to, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, we have to, yeah, yeah, so right now, yeah, that's something. Hopefully, we can take that, build on it, and and just keep going. But it was good to see Booker come out and score thirty. Good to see Beal kind of break out for the first time as a son. Yeah, and you don't got to worry about Durant. Durant's Durant. You know, Durant, Durant. Um, he's going to be just fine. So let's hope that we have no more medical scares and that we're not sitting here in a month from now saying, oh, well, they've only played eight games together, nine games together. Hopefully we can just keep going and run until the playoffs. The toughest thing, though, is can you trust that? Can you no, say, you can't. Can you hope <laughs> no, the, the way the season's gone, you can't. Well, I, and it, I was going to say, I think we're past the point of optimism. It's like we know how team, how good this team can be. Like the the reserve players have shown in spurts bull bull is all of a sudden getting action and he seems to be making contributions but we're still waiting on guys like Yuta Watanabe and Kater Bates Diop to like find a way within this system we know how great Grayson Allen has been for this team we know how good I'm not going to say great but we know how good Eric Gordon has been as well as a veteran Can be, presence right? yeah but it's past the point of optimism it's time to prove it now like I can't be sitting around waiting to think oh we just need more time with these guys together it's like you got to finish January on an absolute hot streak if I want to have any kind of confidence with this team going into the later half of the season after the all-star break. And especially if you want to instill confidence in what this roster is right now before the trade deadline, which is coming up sooner than you think, right? Because if this is what you're rolling into for the rest of the year, you have to prove it now or else moves should honestly be made at the end of the day. 
Yeah, I do want to get into those potential moves. Who is going to be a trade target potentially? And we we have talked about how we're in a kind of a tough spot as that kind of goes with where we're at in the salary cap and the luxury tax and all the spending we did in the offseason to even build this roster. But I totally agree. Like We're past the point of optimism where we have to start playing. And I think these guys would be the first to tell you that there are no more excuses. That is all that has been rolled out through November, December, and even into the beginning of this month is the excuse of, oh, they haven't had that much time to play together. Oh, they've been injured. This has been injured. Uh, Mike, did you see the report that the NBA came out with that said there's no correlation between load management and player health? Basically saying that it doesn't make a difference if you rest guys during back-to-backs or if you rest them, period. They're still going to get injured off whatever is going to happen regardless. So, I, I think, Who's doing the report? Is it the NBA? Huh? <laughs> yeah, that, you know that's a great that's a great question. I didn't read too much into the study at all, but I, I do think there's credence to that when you look at how players performed in the '90s and early 2000s. Load management wasn't a thing. Having guys sit out just for the fuck of it wasn't a thing. These guys were playing when they were healthy, and I think that's how it's got to be for this Suns team specifically. If these guys are healthy and ready to go, you play them on back-to-backs. You play them in every game you can possibly get our big three together, and even our team more in general. I, I, I do know that this offense can be high powered and they can put up points and they're going to be able to keep us in games with just their offense alone. But we brought in Frank Vogel to be this defensive coach and the defense just hasn't been there. I mean, I, I want to ask you, Mike, does that start with the big three as far as it goes on the defensive side or do, is it really a, a whole team issue? Uh, at the end of the day, when it comes down to defense, it's a team issue because it's a communication issue at the end of the day. Sure, like, yeah. You know what we were talking about for the first couple of recaps this year was just general switches, guys falling off of shooters way too late on the communication where who's supposed to be stepping out and people just having absolutely wide open shots. It seems like they've made some adjustments in their defensive sets and guys are starting to figure out when you need to fall off, who you need to be giving extra attention to. But, man, it, it's always a team thing when it comes down to defense. But the one thing about this Phoenix Suns team, too, is like we just have to accept that they're not going to be a stellar <laughs> defensive team. Like It's not what they're built to do, right? Yeah. So they have to work together on a collective unit. So I guess to answer your question, Chris, yeah, it can come down to the big three because they have to set the tone when it comes to that. But it it, it still comes down to proper communication. And it seems like they're turning the tide on that, which is nice to see. There's always going to be some hiccups when it comes down to that. But moving in the right direction on that front. They're not going to be in top tens no. <laughs> at all anytime soon, though, at the no. end of the day. And it's funny because we heard some rumblings at the end of the year and when we were really in the depths of despair and things weren't looking very good where Eric Gordon wasn't happy. There were rumors that Kevin Durant wasn't happy. And he recently, I think, if I'm recalling correctly, came out and kind of squashed those rumors and said that he doesn't want to trade. He wants to stay here in Phoenix and play with Devin Booker in this squad. Is that a good sign, Tallman, that they're kind of putting some of those rumors to rest? I mean, we haven't heard anything else about Eric Gordon recently about wanting to get more involved. And I want to, I'll want i get more into that a little bit later. But overall, do you think that's a good sign of KD con, you know, um, you know, confirming his commitment to Arizona and wanting to stay here? That's an absolutely great sign. I mean, how can you say it's not? For I mean, sure. it's easy to sit here 
you know, from the outside looking in, like no one knows what that locker room is right, like right now, right? I mean, they're in a big slump. I mean, so it's easy to sit there and, and read their body language and, uh, you know, facial expressions after they just keep losing all these games. But, I mean, you can compare it to right now, like the Diamondbacks. Remember that huge slump the D-backs went through midseason? I mean, I'm not gonna, They didn't come out as Different hot kind as of the Diamondbacks yeah, yeah. came. But, I mean, they the Diamondbacks had a really, really rough what was it july July. yeah i mean god it was it was ridiculous but that was like the perfect mid-season and then they were able to bounce back get it all together and and look at what they did so there's no reason to say that the 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 Suns can't do the same thing but that um but obviously chemistry player happiness is number one right and to go back to the lakers game where i mean i saw some highlights where i mean you saw some smiles out of the guys Right, winning is fun. Winning Imagine is fun. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's easy to sit there and say, "Oh my God, they hate each other, or they're upset with um, their position, or you know where they're at," because they're losing and they're not meeting their expectations, even their own expectations, not even the the public's or the media's expectations. So when when you can go into L.A. and you can beat the shit out of LeBron and AD on their home court, and you see Booker smiling, you see all of them, you know, having a good time, right? So, yeah, uh, that's great news to hear that. And, I mean, and I had no doubt about it. I mean, how would you be upset about playing on a team with Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and, you know, on one of the best teams in the last five years? Like, I mean, this this franchise has been elevated for the last five seasons. So how would you be upset? You're upset because you're not winning. You're not meeting your own expectations. Right. And realistically, where would Kevin Durant go? You know, what it would be a possibility. I mean, I guess you could look at like Miami and other things like that potentially, but that's just, I think that's out of the realm of possibility. And even if, and and that's if the Suns are willing to deal him, I mean, I guess he could throw a major bitch fit and, and, you know, whatever, if he becomes a cancer in the locker room, but Kevin Durant more or less chose to be here. We wouldn't have traded for him if he didn't want to be here. And to give up that early, I just don't think that is Kevin Durant. He orchestrated that trade. He did. Basically. He determined right? his own destiny. Yeah, he, he he did. He determined his own destiny right there. No, nah, so all, the, all that to say, like, I think there's going to be, when you're losing, there's going to be a lot of noise. There's going to be a lot of speculation. And winning is fun. And, and I think as they can build these wins, if they can do that, the, those losses will hurt a little bit less. But when you're having consecutive losses, going on losing streaks, seeing yourself at the bottom of the standings, it's going to be tough. And that's what I really want to see from them, you know, kind of the the key here is that to start piling those wins and in doing so moving up in the standings and being more happy and more connected as a team because a team that's feeling good you know it's kind of look good uh what is it um yeah look good look good feel good good, yeah Yeah. play good play good yeah exactly that uh prime time isn't that prime time gotta be right gotta be Deion sanders but this team, when we talk about it, maybe they're not done. Maybe the team we have now is not the team we're going to see going into the a potential playoff run. I don't want to write us in just yet. There are some rumors swirling and some moves that might need to be made. Uh, we mentioned at the top that the trade deadline is coming up February 8th. I just don't know how realistic a trade is, and I'll continue to say that just due to the cap restraints. And who do you give up? I mean, Mike... 
when you really look at the trade assets, what is it? Grayson Allen, Eric Gordon, maybe Bol Bol? I just don't know. Who do you give up out of those guys? Nasir Little's contract. Little? Yeah, Nasir Little. It seems like the two most tradable pieces right now are Grayson Allen and Nasir Little just because of the length of their contracts and the tradability. These guys that are on one-year deals are all on prove-it deals. It's hard to trade something to get back a piece that would really propel you to go anywhere because that other team doesn't know if that person is going to want to come back next year, especially when all of our guys are one-year, five-year, or one-year, five-million-dollar deals that are basically just like coming here to play with this unit to see if they can excel and get their next big payday. Like, Keita Bates-Diop isn't really a big tradable piece. Yuta Watanabe nah. isn't a tradable piece. Chemezi Metu. The, the, these guys are here to stay. And it sucks because the two guys that are the most tradable are probably the two biggest pieces that you might need to keep around because... Grayson Allen, like we keep saying, has just been an absolute stud, man. I think he's third in the NBA in three-point percentage. He tied the franchise record for three-pointers in a game the other day against the Miami Heat. He's just done everything that he needs to do as a second-fiddle guy because you lump in the big three together, right? And you see what are the secondary guys doing to help propel this team. And he's done everything that he absolutely can. Nasir Little has been kind of in and out. You know, he had his eye situation. I th- I don't know. Did he have something with his knee most recently? I think he I think had so, yeah. uh, something with his left knee as well. And he's another guy who can help on the defensive end. He's not so much 3 and D, but he attacks the basket too. So it's you're, you're, you're almost kind of stuck, man. Like it, it's really going to be tough because at the end of the day too, we still – we still keep coming back to this dumb shit, man. It's like we still don't know what we really need um, yeah. on the back end help because we don't know what we have from what this team was still built to be. Like six games, seven games with these guys in there, you see the glimpses, but you, it, it's harder to narrow down who needs to come in. Like backup point guard, another 3 and D guy. Like, are you going to go offensive heavy? Are you going to work to help your defense? It's like, we still don't know. I I don't know. Do we not know, though? I think I can answer that question. I think we need a point guard. Because you can really rely on any one of the big three to be on the court at all times. But when you really look at it, Bradley Beal and Devin Booker are two guards. They are two guards. They can both handle the ball. Are you? Do you want a starting point guard? Is that no, what you're no, saying? No, 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 no. But you okay. need a guy that can come in, and when Beal or Booker is on the bench, so say say Beal's on the bench, Booker's in the two. Yeah. When Booker's on the bench, Beal is in the two. Right. Who's going to play that one? We need a point guard. And I think a guy that I kind of like, as far as the rumors have been swirling, is a Tyus Jones. He's familiar with Bradley Beal. They played together in Washington. The Wizards absolutely fucking suck. So I think they'd be willing to part with a guy like that. He's been balling out, which might make his price, you know, you know, price is moving up a little moving up. And we don't have draft picks to to offer in trades. All we have is these players. So is a nausea little is a Grayson Allen going to be enough for a Tyus Jones? But in saying that, I don't want to give up Grayson Allen. So it's it seems like a lose lose situation, because if you if you look at it like that, like I'm saying, you, you know, trying to you know be reasonable here when you say when I sit here and say we need a guard to play with one of those two guys. Well, you could just shift them over. Beal plays one, Book plays one, and then you have Grayson Allen playing two with the bench unit, right? 
But haven't we seen that song and dance to start? Well, right there you now? go. Right there you go. I mean, Tallman, like you were, you were agreeing. Sound like you were agreeing with me there. It has to be a point guard, right? That we bring in to play with that second unit. Yes. Uh, yeah. I I agree with you 100. Um, percent So what you <laughs> you guys haven't liked Point Book so far? I haven't loved it. I haven't hated it. I mean, I, I haven't, haven't loved it. it. At this point, you're, you're handcuffed. But it's, but it's still what inconsistent. It's, gonna be. it's just too inconsistent. Well, and I think Devin Booker is more of a he's just more of a threat when he's in his natural position. You want him to score. Yes. You want him to yes. score. You don't want him to pass. You don't he, want him he has to pass. set himself up first. Yeah. yeah. And then look to get other guys involved after. Correct. And when, it seems like when he's playing point guard, I think the reports were, or the post game, Kevin Durant said to Devin Booker, like, you need to go and get yours. Like, don't worry about us. Don't worry about anyone Some else. That, yeah. Go and get yours. And he did that. And we beat the Lakers. So that's all well, but that, that's, that really ties in and proves that Devin Booker needs to be a scorer for us. He doesn't need to be a distributor. So if we can get a point guard in there to play defense against their point and distribute to Devin Booker, to Bradley Beal, to Kevin Durant, that's going to be more beneficial to this team than having one of those guys play in the point. Yeah, can you can you package? Because you can't, I mean, we all came to the, the conclusion that you can't get rid of Grayson Allen. You can't. He's been one. You of might your, have to though. That's, no, he's been one of your sucks. top performers. Sucks. You can't. Sucks, but can but... you package a Nasir Little and maybe some of the second round picks you have? But, can we deplete? What is a second round? Can we deplete yourself? Can we deplete all of our the, picks? No, dude, you can't. Like you literally can't because, uh, as as goofy as it seems, second round picks still are assets for your team to be able to trade things. People look at them as possibilities. It's it's a long shot. It's a you know what is it throwing a hot dog in a hallway like it's like <laughs> oh geez oh well, man okay that's Ooh, a different type of, <laughs> it was a different type of one but you know like <laughs> it's it's still an asset it's is, still what an does asset that say? you've never heard that you know, no, I know I you've have. Heard i've heard that in a much different about context. Context. In a way different context <laughs> what are you but it's talking still about it's still like it's still like it's like the Grand Canyon. You you, you yeah, don't know what no, you're going to get no, out of it. You're okay. looking at different aspects. So <laughs> good like save, good grand... save. All you right. just don't know what you're going to get. It's but it's still an asset that you can use for tradable. All right, so you, tradable. So you want right? to you want to keep all of the second round picks? With, yes so, or no? Do I want to keep all the second round picks? No, but like, what tr- second round picks do we have? Like we don't have well, we don't like, no we really have it. that's all we have I mean I, just, I don't, I just don't have like, <laughs> that's we don't have any first round I picks. just don't think a second round tra- um, draft pick is attractive enough and like also like if you give them enough to get back a piece that is really going to be a proper contributor yeah and but at the same time like I'll give up all the picks if we win a championship this yeah, year that's what I'm I don't saying. need to have another draft pick for the next five years if we can win a like, championship think about yeah we're all in right now. Right, we're all in. For We've the been next all in. So we're, we're, we're all in. Like, we're all in for this season and the next two seasons. Right, that's when we have the the big three under contract. So think about our owner, though. How? In, I mean, what was the first thing uh, we got from uh, Ishbia when he came in? KD trade. The, yeah, and how, how quick did he do it? Days. So this guy wants to win. He wants to win now. He wants his oompa loompa now. Okay. The walk it in his pocket now. Yes, right? He wants it now, Daddy. Um, JG Wentworth, it's my yeah, money and I, I want, want it now. now. Okay. Do you need Okay. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. So the guy's impatient, right? So I mean, do you think he cares about what happens as long as he can find the the missing puzzle piece for this team right now? I expect him to be aggressive and do something because we're sitting here. What's all right? Tell one of you guys tell us what the definition of insanity is. 
they say it's doing the same thing over and over again. I thought and... it was throwing a hot dog in a hallway. <laughs> no, that, just your mom says that. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Mrs. Bartell. Um, Hopefully this is one that she doesn't listen to. Yeah, right. Um, it, we're pretty we're pretty deep in. as. Uh, so this she, might be the that, last one she listens to. <laughs> yeah, she right. does. Did you be showing up my house right with, <laughs> with a pitchfork and a torch? Um, God damn it, you totally... Did I derail? Did we yeah, derail you? you? I mean, you, you derailed did. yourself. Grayson with that. No, no. Second round picks. So, I mean, so yeah, yeah. So yeah. insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. Yes, but it, but you can also th- sit there and say they've only played six games together. Again, with the excuses, though, right? Yeah, and that's uh, that's what we love in Arizona: excuses. No, that's yeah, what we're built off. It we like is. to point the finger. It is. We like to play. Yeah, we like to play the blame game. Okay, but like you say, Ishvi is desperate to win. I don't know if that's necessarily fair because I think he just looks at it as Devin Booker is in his prime, or you could say entering his prime. You have a position when he gets the team of having DeAndre Ayton, a number one pick, max max money, and a movable asset in him as well, and. Mikel Bridges, when he bought the team, was playing his best basketball of his career. Cam Johnson, you can say that's an asset. And having these first-round picks that we had at the time, Kevin Durant expressing interest before the season even started and the, the trade rumors were early. You, we have a clip out there of us saying, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant. Because we were in the market for Kevin Durant since the 2021-2022 offseason. And... I wouldn't say he's desperate. I think he just looks at the window that they're in now, and he is all in. I think Ishbia is here for the long haul. Everything he's done for the fans and the investments he's made into this team, I think it is a long haul investment. So to say he's desperate is, I want to say, is not fair. But at the point where I get where you're coming from, he has expended all this money, put us in a tight situation as far as the cap goes, and looking at paying the luxury tax for years to come. When you look at our big threes contract, it's over. I think 150 million for just those three guys for the next three seasons. That's insane. I, I said Bradley Beal's looking at 60 mil plus. It's not quite that much. It's like 55 it's, plus, it's but it's damn close. Yeah. It's damn close. So I mean, that's semantic arguments there. But I, I just think when it comes down to it, these next three seasons are going to be huge. If we go through these next three seasons and it don't at least get to the finals, it's a failure. Is that fair? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yes. yes, yes, it is with a total who, failure. With who is here? It should happen this season. With Devin Booker in his prime. This would be the best yeah, chance. This be season would be the best chance because they're not getting any younger. They're not. Kevin Durant is in his mid-30s. Beal's in his... In, he's 35. He's 30, 30, 31. Booker is Beal, yeah, in his late 20s. 25. I'm not worried about Booker as much as I am. So you're not worried about him getting disgruntled? And what if he wants to No, Dude, he's not. I mean, he went the through, team's doing everything they can to put up. Yeah, and he went through absolute dog shit like multiple years yeah like, he, he had his he was, point he was young and unproven of, though he had no he had at a certain point though wins like yeah i'm, I'm just trying if to you went no, that, you you're that. right you're right but no devin booker's on pace to be the, now yeah he's he's gonna be fine he's gonna be fine he has his people around him yeah so. and devin booker's on pace to be the greatest son of all time even if he doesn't he's get that championship like accolade he has a chance to cement himself as the greatest Suns player of all time and maybe the greatest Valley athlete of all time. And you're up against Larry Fitzgerald really is the only guy you're up against. When we, we, we did our whole Mount Rushmore and, and Booker was already on mine, I'm pretty sure. Tom, and I'll say this. Devin Booker won't leave the Valley until he becomes the Phoenix Suns all-time leading scorer. 
Nah. Okay. And you know, and you know when right, that's going right. to happen. That might that would be like the first two games of next year. So maybe don't be disgruntled and ask his way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, anything could happen. Anything could happen. But when it comes to the trade deadline coming up in less than thirty days, I honestly, I last question I guess we'll ask about the Suns and we can move on here. But would you be surprised if they made it? Would you be equally surprised if they do or don't make a move? I guess. Ooh, that is a great question. I want to hear what Tallman thinks first. I would be surprised if they don't make a move just because of how just how unexpected the season has started. And I mean, and you can't rely on these guys being healthy, right? Clearly and, they've shown that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you got to expect that some point in time over the next two months, you're going to have, you know, hopefully not extended period of t- periods of times, but you're going to have certain times where, your your big three are not going to be the big three. They're going to be the big two or the big one. The big one. <laughs> you know? Your mom uh, knows about the big one, right? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Wow. This, <laughs> at least, this you, yeah, this yeah. At least it's bigger than there, a right? hot dog. It's going to fill up the hallway, Chris. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Sharon. We love yeah. You. No, we're, we're, we're going to at least make sure it's... This uh, one definitely gets the, uh, the E with the box at the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Parental guidance is suggested for this 25th episode. There you go. So, no, they, they have to do something, right? I already... Told you guys the definition of insanity. We know how the season started. We cannot rely on these guys to be healthy. We got to have some type of move that's going to be the, hey, it's it's our emergency. We're going to break glass. You know, we need something to figure this out because, you know, it's, it's something's got to something's got to give, you know, and these guys are not all going to be healthy for the rest of the season. They're not. And you can almost count on that, right? I yeah. mean, when it when it's all said and done, and I don't, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. And we could go in circles about will they, won't they, and we're just gonna have to see. At the end of the day, we're just gonna have to see. I think our February episode will be very enlightening as to the direction of this team and where they're heading. So make sure you tune in. I'll do a plug right now. Make sure you follow us at az underscore vsp on TikTok, Instagram x.com i think we're on threads i think that's a dead platform but we're on there um and yeah i don't even know what that is right right hopefully if if this video works right here on youtube valley sports plug you can just go on google type in arizona valley sports plug and we're gonna be right there you're gonna be able to find us and we appreciate you if you've listened this far in the episode you're a true fan and we love you and we hope you keep coming back for more and Big things to come in 2024. I mean, I think I'm going to tease it now. More information to come, but we're going to do a Suns ticket giveaway. Right, Mike? Keep an eye out on Instagram on January 20th. Ooh, it's got a date. It's coming, and it's going to big. It's going to big. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a big game. And I'll give a little bit teaser. It might be one of the last times you'll get to be able to see this guy play. So make sure you guys are staying tuned. Yeah, make sure you're following us, guys. Like and subscribe, as they say here on the YouTubes. But why don't we go ahead and keep things pushing, wrap this Heat Check podcast up. We got a little bit more to talk about, and it's about the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're in the offseason, not a whole lot going on, but I think there's still some stuff to talk about. There was some news that broke this last week about them avoiding arbitration and coming to an agreement on one-year deals with six different players. That was Zach Gallen, who's going to make $10 million this year, Christian Walker, $10.4 million, and Paul Seawald, $7.35 million. Also came to agreements with Joe Mantiply, Ryan Thompson, and Kevin Ginkle, so... 
The boys are back in town, gentlemen. We got plenty of our core group coming back and still some moves to be made. I think we want to fill in that DH spot. There's some names being floated around. I think Justin Turner, JD Martinez is a guy we're really high on, and we'll get into all that. But just when we talk about avoiding the arbitration and signing those six guys back, I mean, how big is that for this team, Tallman? Oh, it's 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 great. I mean, obviously these are some of the best players on the team, um, and then you just worry about it because what Gallon and Kelly are only under uh, team control through twenty twenty five. What is it, Walker and oh, shit? Walker and Seawald are entering their last season yeah. under team control, um, and then the other guys you mentioned are through 2027 so we're good there uh but it, i mean it, it's good that you know everyone's coming back everyone's happy we agreed on you know some money uh for this season but i mean it makes you think even though we don't want to we just want to worry up worry about what's happening this next season but you know what's going to happen when everyone wants to collect their bag you know that they've probably earned i mean the way they played especially in that la- last season and then that world series run and depending on what they do this year, obviously, of course, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, 100%. But, I mean, Walker, Walker's older, right? The only one that's really going to command the high dollars is going to be Gallon. And uh, in Arizona, we might have to, you know, come to terms with watching him walk because <laughs> um, we're not going to pay. Are the D-backs going to pay him $25 million a year? You might- <sighs> Somebody else is. I mean, but- the guy The guy has been, he was a... Uh, Top three in Cy Young this last season. If he if he does this, if he repeats it, does the same thing on the mound this season. The guy's a top five pitcher in the league, and we can do the same shit next year. But after twenty twenty five, if we don't agree to a long term deal with him, the guy's out of here. Yeah, and and we talked about that a little bit in our show prep. Is like, do you try and groom Fott to be one of those top? pitchers in our rotation to where you're comfortable giving up gallon or depending on how this season goes i mean i know a lot of questions guys so i'm, I'm gonna stop saying that but like you almost are you gonna be in a position where you might need to look at signing zach gallon because he's not that old he's still under 30 years old had a great season last year i expect more of the same in 2024 i almost think especially with the money we made in this world series run and a potential playoff run coming up this season there could be the money available to pay him, right? Yeah. Do you you want to? <laughs> yes, there is, and you should pay the guy. I'm not sitting here saying just dick him around the entire time. Yeah, I get pay what the you're guy, saying. lock him up. Yeah, and I get you what know? you're saying like about he's, he's one of the most popular players on this team. I mean, he might be the most popular player on this team, and he's probably the most deserving player of getting 25. 30 million a season. I mean, what'd you throw at Madison Bumgarner? You know, I mean, look what you just signed it. Uh, what do you just signed Erod for Eduardo Rodriguez for $20 million a season. So you're going to have to pay this guy. And as you should, I mean, you should keep him around. Yeah. And I don't know if the Diamondbacks are in a position to do this, but Mike, I almost wonder if they could take a page out of the Dodgers playbook mm-hmm. and sign gallon to a long-term deal, defer some of that money <laughs> defer. <laughs> the deferred money might be a thing that starts to become real popular. It's funny. I don't. I, we won't get into it, but the Dodgers are kind of under. I don't know if you want to call it an investigation or an inquiry, but the California 
state government is looking at what the Dodgers are doing and saying, is this like a tax loophole? Are you looking to take money out of the state? Because the theory being is that when Shohei Otani's contract is up in 10 years, does he just fuck off back to Japan or where anywhere else but California to avoid that income tax? And how that all works, I don't know. I'm not smart enough to know tax codes for California oh, he's necessarily. Paying, he's paying taxes on You him. would think because that's millions yeah, and millions oh, totally, and millions totally. of dollars. Um, but Mike, to ask you that question though, is that something that they could look at is either signing him long-term to a friendly contract where it's backloaded or even a deferred type of situation? I think this team is going to have to be creative when it comes down to staying competitive in the NL West with everything that the Dodgers have done. They're going to have to continue to find their ways to keep their certified superstars. Zach Gallon is an ace. We know it, you know, as much as we... Had the ups and downs with him this past season. We know he's your number one. He's your guy that you can put out there and is going to be basically in the top five when it comes down to the Cy Youngs year in, year out. Yeah, He's the guy, man. You got to try everything you can in your might to keep those kind of people within your system, especially when you're having successful years. The last guy we had like that was Paul Goldschmidt. And what happened? We had to let him go because we couldn't pay him because we were in some really, really dog years. But if you're going to continue to grow around guys like Corbin Carroll, your absolute up-and-coming guy, and Gabrielle Moreno, you're just really bolstering everything around, addressing the pieces that you needed to in this offseason to stay competitive and look to go and repeat as an pennant, like you got to, and, and it's that time. I mean, the, the diamondbacks have been a struggle of a franchise for a very long time outside of our runs when we won the world series and the last time we went to the NLCS. So it's, it's what the Valley deserves at the end of the day. So it's time to open up the pocketbooks and get creative and make sure you can get, keep guys like Zach Gallon around. Yeah, and I've been really impressed with Ken Kendrick and his willingness to spend that money that they made, especially in that last World Series run. And it's like he went on the local radio station and said that as long as the money's there, he's willing to spend it. So he's no Matt Ishbia. He's not going to be able to pony up millions and millions of his own money. And ooh, maybe I, I wish he would. <laughs> maybe maybe if Ishbia sticks around a little longer, maybe he buys partial ownership. I don't Pulls want a Jerry Colangelo yeah. something. Oh, buy all of them. Who knows, man? I mean, Ken Kendrick, he's got to be getting up there. Um, but he's speaking about guys who aren't spring chickens, Mike, we talk about Paul Seawald, and, and he was one of those guys in arbitration who got the one year deal. But he's not getting any younger. How much? Talman, is he going to be a viable starter long term, or do they really need to start looking at grooming guys like a Ryan Thompson, like a Kevin Ginkle, more specifically, to overtake that closer role in the in the future? Oh, totally. I mean, yeah, Seawold's thirty three years old, so yeah, he's no spring chickens. <laughs> Passes prime, right? That's yeah, a he's, yeah, he's passed his prime. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ginkle is. Oh man, that dude. He's just lights out. He's going to be your ninth inning closer it's gonna happen and uh thompson is that was the pickup of the season in mlb i'm, I'm sure there might be other ones whatever <laughs> but who cares but for for the diamondbacks that was an, an incredible pickup what the rays uh dropped him off or whatever and then we just scooped him up and he was incredible for us uh but for i mean those and then we were talking about ginkle and thompson i mean they're under control through 2027 Right, so Seawald, I, I mean, I, I would, 
probably guess he goes one more season. If he's in, if he's amazing and he does better than what he did this past season, maybe you see him get another one-year deal. Um, but his time here is limited. He was never going to be your, you know, your your uh, total fix for you know for the next five like long term solution. Yeah, he wasn't yeah. going to be the guy. So Ginkle's going to be the guy, and then you would just hope Thompson might swoop into Ginkle's spot the eighth inning. And then you might hope some other guys coming up would be filling those spots. Yeah, and it, it's funny, Mike, because I draw a direct comparison to Mark Melanson, where we got him after an incredible season with the Giants, where I'm pretty sure he led the entire MLB in saves. He comes to Arizona and doesn't do shit. So Seawall did help us a lot last year. He had a rough start, but then figured it out and was getting saves for us he regularly. Good, yeah. If we see a step back from him this season, does that accelerate the timeline a little bit? I think it has to because you have to think about the pieces that are brought in and what we have right now. And and the time to strike is still right now, no matter what the people are doing around us, a.k.a. the Doyers. (laughs) Yeah, You have the team to compete right now. I mean, they proved it last year, right? So you... Uh, we also can't get caught up too much on what happened within that Texas series where Paul really fell off and, and it didn't hold up his end of the bargain. But you also have to think about everything that happened in that playoff run and towards the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, you give him the go, you know, you trust his leadership in a veteran form and you continue to groom these guys. And i I'm with Tallman. I think it's only a matter of time before Kevin Ginkle becomes your guy because he's got some shutdown stuff. And I'll be excited for that day when it does come because I have faith in that. But I'm totally, totally okay with rolling with Seawald right now. Yeah, I think that has to be the consensus. I mean, we got a good group of guys that just come off a great season and I mean, Tom, correct me if I'm wrong, but where I'm sitting here and the way that the last year is shaken out, I'm so more op- so much more optimistic for this Diamondbacks team than any Diamondbacks team that I can remember, aside from obviously like the 01 Diamondbacks and, and that time period. But in recent memory, I mean, we remember times like you mentioned Paul Goldschmidt, Archie Bradley was even a guy that was great out of the bullpen, a guy we talked about being our closer, but... Maybe I'm misremembering. Maybe I just have these rose-tinted glasses from last year's run, but it seems like this team is far more serious than any Diamondbacks team in the last decade. Is that fair to say? Yes, it is. I I mean, how can you sit here and not be excited about this team when we just went to the World Series, regardless of if we won or lost? Uh, But, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, it's because I think the biggest part, though, is you're you're seeing it out of the ownership. Right, because in '01 we went to the World Series, but what 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 major pieces did we add to that team after? Where here, where this this ownership and this uh this front office is realizing that hey, yeah, we went to the final dance, but you know we could be a lot better. You know they're noticing their weaknesses, and we've already seen them add hopefully a, a top three pitcher on our on our staff with. Erod, which that was that was big, you know. This, yeah. this team doesn't spend money like that. 
the last time they spent money like that, they basically just lit it on fire and gave it to Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> and then before that, it was Zach Greinke. And then before that, who the fuck knows? Don't, don't even mention how much money we gave to Yasmani Tomas. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's a name you probably haven't heard in a long time. Yeah, yeah. What's that? Who, what team is that guy playing for? Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah, no nobody. team. Yeah, they probably, they probably finally stopped paying him last season. Oh, Jesus. If that. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, I mean... Just seeing um for for them to come out and say, hey, this is gonna be the biggest payroll this team has ever had in the history of the team, and they're acknowledging that you know we we did something extremely special last season, which is crazy because we could do a lot better, and like we had some holes, like and we can add a lot of talent, so let's go out and spend the money, add that talent, and then. What the sh- what what the hell could we do next season? Right, we Based were already what we did. Yeah, yeah, we were already good last season, and with the pieces we've added, in theory, we've only gotten better. I mean, Lourdes Goriel posted his goodbyes on Instagram, and then he's right back. You know, I, I, thank God, I'm I'm okay with that. And I I would like I wouldn't mind seeing him at the DH spot a couple times, but we talk about needing to add one more piece and potentially in that DH spot or some guy that could flex left field and. J.D. Martinez is a guy I think we're all high on and I think is probably should be the number one target, but you're not really going to play him in the field. You're going to exclusively play him at DH. I don't want to talk about Guriel and his arm that we question. <laughs> but as, when it comes to the DH spot, Mike, it has to be J.D., right? Bring I, him back. I think it's it has to be, yeah. You can call it the homecoming, even though he wasn't here for Only very long. Only like half a season, <laughs> yeah. if that, yeah. A hundred percent. And from what we've been hearing is it's not that short of a list. I think the Diamondbacks have been looking at four to five different names. You called out two of them with Justin Turner and J.D. Martinez, man. I just would be really excited to bring him back. He brings a lot of power. He can get you extra base hits like it's no other. Just putting him in that four spot if that's where you want to hit him. Bringing in runs. Getting Corbin Carroll on base, giving him opportunities, yeah, it's it it, it, it seems like a no brainer, right, Tallman? It really does. I mean, the guy's old. Um, he is. Both, well, I mean, yeah, but Turner, that's why you DH him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Turner, how much Poppy did as a yeah, DH. Turner's old too. Cools. But JD Martinez, just to throw his uh, his stats last season, the guy hit 33 home runs, 103 RBIs. Yeah, holy so, fucking and shit! So yeah, and, and, Christian Walker inject that into the D backs lineup. If he can repeat that, oh man! You even know? if he doesn't repeat it, if he gets close, yeah, that's even if he gets close, solid, yeah. yeah. So I am on the the Martinez train, and I was telling you guys earlier, it's like. I don't care if he wants ten, fifteen million dollars. I mean, he's that missing piece right now, and you give him whatever he wants because he's not going to be. You don't need to sign him. He's not looking for eight, ten years. The guy's looking Absolutely. for the guy's looking for one, maybe two. one or two, yeah. maybe three. You don't need to give him three, but give him one or two. Pay him ten, twelve, fifteen million a year, and call it a day because he would be such a boost to this fucking lineup that. I, I I would donate to them to sign him. <laughs> I would. 
Honestly, I would because it, it that, that's how important that he would be to this team. And you just have to think about the top of this lineup, right? If you're going into next year, you're putting Corbin oh, Carroll at one. Corbin Carroll at one. Okay. Cattell too. Cattell Marte, who can move him over on the base. All right, who's three, Michael? It's Christian Walker. Okay, yeah. who's it's, four? It's, it's, it's J.D. Martinez, oh, Martinez oh, baby. Oh, man. And I'm who's about five? To... Who's five coming right after him? It's Gabby Moreno, oh, who came on after man. the second I'm ready for a hot dog to come down my hall. Gurriel right in six? I mean... Put him in the sixth. I mean, you can go interchangeable. Yeah. I think Jake McCarthy should... Should and probably will get some more time in the outfield, and they might. You think he, you think he's going to make? More. You think he's going to make the roster? I think he should. Or I'm sorry, the. Um, I think you got to make the, sure that you have enough left-handed bats in this lineup, so you're. So you think he makes you're, 25? You're moving around okay. a little bit more, and then, yeah, yeah, Geraldo Perdomo, Perdomo is already an all-star who is continuing to grow within his. Did real good within his time. I mean, he's a young, young guy too, as well. It's like that's the beautiful thing about this roster right now, too. But you have to continue to build veteran presence around these young guys to make sure that they're on the right path and growing the right way. And that's what I really want for guys like Corbin Carroll. Because he's already shown right now that he's a leader through his play, and I want him to continue to learn to be a leader through his actions as well, through his, himself speaking, really setting an example in that way and, and, and leading the forefront because he's the face of our franchise. As much as we talk about the popularity of Zach Gallen, we know the guy is Corbin Carroll. It's Corbin. It's Corbin. And especially when you consider the balance, right, between the young guys and having veteran leadership in there. I think J.D. Martinez just adds to that. He is a pure hitter. As he, I mean, Tallman laid out his stats. He will be able to give pointers and be in the ear of these guys and talk about being in a slump, talking about going through tough times and adversity. It's almost like Longoria that we brought in last year. We weren't expecting incredible production from him, but he's a guy who's been around the block. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. And I'm really impressed with Mike Hazen and what he's done in building this roster up until this point. And on, we basically brought almost everyone back that was essential to our run last year, and I feel like we've only gotten better. I and mean, you can look around the league and say the moves that have been made that teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees have gotten better, but it's baseball, man. You just never know. Like Nobody thought the Diamondbacks would win one game against the Dodgers even last season with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and the gang. Like We fucking torched them, man. It, was, it, was, it looked like they didn't even belong in that series the way we fucking whooped their ass. So... I just I have a lot of optimism and you mentioned Jake McCarthy. You mentioned these young guys coming up. It's I I guess Tallman, like do you think that there is a place for Lawler this season? No. I know, yeah. No. But do you I, trade him? Do I you think, move him? No, you no. you keep him. He's he's the best player you have in your farm system right now. You do not get off of him. Is he on the 25 to start the season or do you think No, he's, he's not on the 25. No, he's in AAA. Um cuz I think you got to ride Perdomo, because what Perdomo gave you from the ninth, the the ninth spot throughout the playoffs was great. He was he was one of the he was a he was an offensive starter. Like like he'd be in the ninth the ninth spot and he would get on base. So what he did was was great, and he had great defense as well. I mean, you you got to roll with him because he he had a great season uh, in twenty twenty three, and you you got to. You gotta stick with them. I I don't think you de- he deserves to get thrown off, traded away, and you bring Lawler in. I would much rather stick with Perdomo than see Lawler come in and try to figure it out. Because 
like Perdomo's proven. I mean, he he's elite in the in the ninth spot in the bat in that batting order. I mean, him with his bunts, his speed. I mean, the guy he can steal bases. I mean, you can't. That was a huge thing for the Diamondbacks that. last yeah. season. Is how we how well we are on the base paths, and guys like Perdomo and McCarthy really just add to that. And Lawler's pretty quick too. But how does he factor in? You can't play him at short. You got Eugenio Suarez to play third, so. Yeah, so he's not going to be on. The, There's no, no spot for no, him. No, he's really. not. He's yeah. not a utility guy. Um, he got a little bit of, of time, but Lawler needs more time. You do not trade him. You do not get rid of your best player in your farm system because one day he's going to be that that guy. And uh, I mean, I mean, as much as you'd want to see him come up and and play, but I mean, you're just you have a log jam at, at shortstop right now. Yeah, well, speaking of guys that you want to see come up and play potentially, you can say Drew Jones. I do want to say Drew Jones because <laughs> no. it's funny because you. No, mentioned, he needs even more time. No, <laughs> but listen to me, listen to me. Like earlier in this pod, this very podcast, Heat Check Podcast, episode twenty-five, you said you look at what Marvin Harrison did. What do you think Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to do? We know what Andrew Jones did. Yeah. Drew Jones is is he? He's maybe not that dude. I don't want to blame a guy for being injured, but he has had two significant injuries that kept him out of playing for our minor league team. He he didn't he, he got injured in batting practice, I think, to start. And then when he finally started playing in I think either even single A, I don't even know if he made it up to double A, he got injured again. So and whether it's fair or not to talk about a guy and his injuries, is Drew Jones, if you're not looking to move off a of Lawler, are you looking to move off a of Drew Jones? I would say yes. So that would be the guy. I would move off of, and then you you compared, you know, Drew Jones to Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, I mean, Marvin Harrison Jr. was already proven in college football at one of the major programs in the nation. Well, I mean, so, college baseball I mean, isn't as sexy. How did no, Drew Jones do in college? Yeah, well, obviously pretty good to get drafted um, as high as he did. And being one of the top fifty um, yeah, prospects yeah, it's, it's in major hard, league it's baseball, it's a hard sport. It's a hard sport to compare. Um, but he's a lot younger. What is he? He's going to be twenty years old this year. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Wait, 20? I, I don't know. Did Drew Jones even go to college? I see. I don't know. Like, the baseball and the minor league system is like... Wait, that's a great... So much different. I Jesus mean, Christ. Look it up we on the spot. But here's a better question, though. Do you think we're going to have to be in an option to trade a top prospect like that to bolster this well, roster already? I don't be- even think you need to have that conversation because what they've built should be enough to really expand on what they did last year, right? I Yeah. Yeah, but I think when you look at the roster construction and who we have and who is competing and being successful, Drew, Jane, Drew Jones plays in the outfield, right? Corbin Carroll, Lourdes Goriel play in the outfield. Jake McCarthy plays in the outfield. Is he going to take one of those spots out there? Or Yeah, I think at the end of the day, Lourdes Goriel Jr. or Jake McCarthy are the ones that are moved before to give him a spot and an opportunity when he's ready. But I don't even think it's this year. It may be no, next year. No, not this year. Maybe, yeah. And he might get called up in September, maybe, maybe. To give him some opportunity. Yeah, yeah but he's got to sure. get up to AAA first. All right, he he did not go to college. He didn't go to college. Okay, <laughs> that's not uncommon. That's not uncommon in baseball. Yeah. And and so high so school, he, he probably he, fucking balled out. He did. Yeah, he committed to Vanderbilt, um, but ultimately he got drafted, and he chose to sign with the Diamondbacks. And did he make it? Can you see? Did he make it up to Double A, uh, or so did Billy or did Bean. he only play Single A? Yeah, Billy Bean. <laughs> Remember that from the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, the money ball, right? It's like, you can go to college or you can take this money right now. <laughs> Wait, no wonder he didn't go to college. All right, 
So considered one of the top prospects for the 2022 Major League Baseball draft, the Arizona Diamondbacks selected Jones with the second overall selection. Jones signed with the Diamondbacks, receiving a reported signing bonus of $8,185,100. No wonder he didn't go to college. I wouldn't go to college either. Oh, my god! I, I didn't go to college. But. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get $8 million to I not go get, to college? Yeah, that's what I, I thought. I got to work at Bed Bath & Beyond instead. <laughs> hey, well... They're doing pretty good now, so yeah, they got yeah. bought out by Overstock or their rights. Yeah, no, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't see. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, but either way, yeah, he's just, just he's been hurt every season. He's been hurt every season, and he it seems like I don't want you know injury prone is a real thing. If we really if we we talked about the Suns, we talked about a Beal and a Durant, they're injury prone. Drew Jones could be one of those injury prone guys, and the best quality in an athlete is availability. That is fucking right <laughs> and we saw some scares with corbin but he played a ton of games this last season an incredible rookie season one rookie of the year i don't see drew jones being a rookie of the year when it if and when he finally makes it to the major league level and i i mean maybe that'll come back to bite me in the ass maybe i'll find myself on freezing cold takes but we've I all just, been there man don't worry <laughs> i just don't know man i don't know about drew jones and i think you you it would be a positive to sell high on him if you can get a quality asset in return. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100% because if you're you're sitting here look at your outfield right now. You have L'Oreal uh, L'Oreal. Or, I like sorry, it. Guriel, L'Oreal. Jesus fucking Christ. Don't they do hair products? Just, just, <laughs> just end the fucking podcast right now. Um, you have you have Guriel. Um, you have Alec Thomas playing center. Thomas, that was the guy I forgot. Yeah, Thomas, Thomas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not going to have McCarthy out there um, probably more no, often. No, McCarthy, you'll have, you'll have McCarthy wasn't even on the fucking roster. Today, right, so. right. You'll have Alec Thomas. I'm sorry, Alec um, Thomas. He was, was, but then he got hurt. Like, he probably would have been no, on that World got, Series roster. He got sent down, dude. McCarthy got sent down, yeah. Yeah. Are you sure? Because, yes, no, because I'm he sure. Got hurt. No, I don't know. He, I'm, I'm pretty sure that. he like tweaked his shoulder or something to no. the point where he wasn't no, he gonna got be sent able down. to. But either way, either way, you only have three spots in the outfield. You're gonna play and, Alec and Thomas. Then, more and then you have McCarthy is McCarthy's your rising star at in outfield. So you have four guys in the outfield that you could play any given day. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. you, like, so of course, I mean, we would love to see Guriel slip in a DH and then Jake McCarthy go out there and I mean, oh, sorry, I said his name wrong. You'd like to see L'Oreal slip in the DH and then um, <laughs> McCarthy play. New left nickname field, unlocked, L'Oreal. Right field, whatever. L'Oreal. Uh, because that speed between McCarthy, Thomas, and uh, and Corbin would just be insane. Yeah. So so Jones. Jones Drew, is fast too, though. Yeah, He's fast. Well, yeah, but Drew, Drew Jones is looking uh, expendable right now. He is. Good problems to have, man. Yeah, but Lawler's Honestly, not because you're yeah. struggling with your third base. Who knows what happens with Eugenio or what's his name? Eugenio. Eugenio. Shit. Eugenio. Uh, we we sat here and called him Eugenio for Eugenio, like a month and yeah, a half. Gino so, yeah. Um, so you you don't his know what's going is Gino, on. Though, yeah, and then fair, yeah. and then you got Cattell that's aging. Yeah, Walker that's aging. You got to keep your infield. Don't you prospects. dare talk about Cattell like that. Well, he, he will is, never man. Age. He was the only guy. He was the only guy on He's the, the roster. He's the same age as me. Wait, what are you saying? <laughs> and ba- oh, you you're past your, your prime. prime. Dude. <laughs> he was the only guy on the roster making more than ten million last season. That's crazy. Uh, that is crazy, and I, I mean, it's we can just sit here and speculate all day and night about what they're gonna do, what we think they should do. 
But at the end of the day, like Mike just said, those are good problems to have when you're talking about being spoiled for choice at a position and having to make a move. I do agree with what you said, Tom, and like Lawler has to stay around just because the shortstop position is kind of a, a question mark, right? We got rid of Nick Ahmed. We, we DFA'd him, said G, GTFO, and kind of meant that we were going all in on Perdomo and Lawler to be our future at that position. And I think right now, as as I'm seeing it, Perdomo is more of a year-to-year proposition and Lawler is the long-term investment. And I think that's smart. He didn't impress me incredibly when he did get called up in September and the few times he pinched hit. But he's a young guy. He's got room to grow. And what do you expect? He didn't do nothing. He didn't do nothing. He got on base a few times. I think he had a stolen base or two. So I'll give him a chance. But Drew Jones is a guy I do think is expendable and a guy that you could move. But again, it comes down to what are you going to get in return? Is it going to be worth it in the long term? Are you talking about prospects or are you talking about a guy that can perform now? And if you're talking about a guy that can perform now, you're talking about spending money. So it's it, it, there's a lot of things that go into it. And, and I think it'll just be really interesting to see. The last thing I want to say, though, is spring training, the opening day of the baseball preseason I guess you could call it is 41 days away from today so a little less than a month and a half Uh, a lot of teams have already announced that pitchers and catchers will report around February 14th so I expect the Arizona Arizona Dimebacks excuse me will follow suit and have their pitchers and catchers report mid-February so we're already getting so close to baseball and it's crazy because I even though it was like what the beginning of November that the baseball season ended it doesn't feel like it was all that long ago and especially considering that there's something to be excited for but guys, will you be going to a spring training game at Salt River Fields? No. <laughs> dude, it costs Just, the same. No. It's, it's so more expensive. expensive. It's more dude. expensive it to go to no Salt River Fields sense. than Chase Field. Yeah. It's not even that fun. Oh, hey, pay thirty dollars to go sit in some fucking but grass. But you might be, you'll be able to see Jordan yeah, Lawler probably. But, oh my god, I don't care about him. <laughs> no, I like. I'd rather pay. Comes out. I'd rather pay thirty dollars to go sit at Chase Field and watch a game that actually fucking matters. I'm not sitting in grass. Figure it out, Salt River Field. They don't got shit to figure out. So you went <laughs> well, no, they don't care. You That's went specific. You said Salt River Fields. I don't know if it'll be Salt River Fields. I was out there this last spring training. Uh, Brianna and Grant and I, we went and checked it out when he came to uh, visit during his spring break. So will it be Salt River Fields? I don't know. I really want to get back to Tempe Diablo. It's been a, it's Ooh, been a minute. That's that what I grew probably up Probably is my favorite yeah. spring training stadium. And now I don't have to go crazy around people trying to see Shohei. So there Very we go. true. We'll go, I wonder probably, if they took that banner Tempe down. Diablo. Oh, I mean, yeah, that thing is gone long yeah. gone at this point. <laughs> I, I do love that spring training is in Arizona. It makes for an incredible experience as a baseball fan. We see Sloan Park sell out constantly. Oh, I went there last year. That's a great stadium. Crazy, dude. It was the last spring training game of the spring training. Yeah, there you go. Um, it, it was packed to the brim. Unbelievable. Yeah, people get really excited for spring training, and it's it's a different environment, right? Because it's a little more laid back. Obviously, there's no stakes because if you lose every single spring training game, it doesn't fucking matter. And so these guys get to kind of have fun, and, and and not that the players aren't taking it seriously, but they get the teams themselves get to give their guys a chance that might not be able to otherwise get more playing time. So I imagine. Well, like I said, we'll see Jordan Lawler. We'll see some Jake McCarthy. We'll be able to see some of these younger guys that we have in that are going to probably spend a lot of time in AAA this season playing against major league talent. And I think that's that's always a fun time. And just the atmosphere in general. People are getting excited for baseball and their their teams. 
it's, it's a lot of fun. So I, I am, I'm with you, Mike. I don't know if I'll make it out to Salt River Fields, but I do want to check out some spring training baseball while it's going on out here. But fellas, this has been our 25th Heat Check podcast. It's been a blast. We are rocking and rolling into 2024, and we are doing new things, man. We're filming this. Hopefully this worked out. Hopefully this <laughs> finds its way onto YouTube. You'll have to see. Let, let us know what you think in the comments. Please let us know if you liked it, if we should change anything. What, what about our background here? Mike brought some memorabilia for us. We got Chubby Randy. We got Connie Hopkins. Uh, I had to glue Devin Booker's arm back on because it fell off. But it's 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 a lot of fun, man. And I'm excited to be back here. But, fellas, I want to give you the floor to share any last thoughts you might have before we get the fuck out of here. So let's go Tallman first. Oh, God damn it. I wasn't ready. <laughs> um, we'll last ready. thoughts. Um, my mind is empty. Oh, <laughs> Oh, get this man a Coors. Yeah, right. Where is that? I need that right now. Um, no, I just want to say thank you guys. Um, what a weird start to the year, man. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get, I need to figure my life out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was about to get real. Yeah. Um, you guys got another 30 minutes? Jesus Christ. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm out here. I'm excited for what's to come um we had some fun football games and the wild super wild card weekend of the nfl um let's see what happens going forward i'm ready for the super bowl ready for um maybe some free tickets to the the phoenix uh phoenix the phoenix (laughs) the phoenix open the waste management open open, yeah yeah so let's go it's exciting time right now always a crazy time january 20th Make sure at AZ underscore VSP on Instagram, we're giving away some Suns tickets. Make sure you guys are tapped in. Very excited for what we're doing here, fellas. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about doing this, right? We're getting close to two years, adding new wrinkles, going to be doing some maybe documentary style kind of stuff, deep diving into the valley and some stories from back in the day that people might not know about or you know, try and remember once again so we can, <laughs> we can all relive, relive some yeah. crazy Valley times. But Tallman, Chris, always a great time, man. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and, and I echo that. I'm really excited for what this year is going to bring. We are trying to evolve and become a product that you guys want to tune into and watch. And, of course, I always say, if you've made it this far in the podcast, you're a true fan, and we really appreciate you. Shout out Dave, one of our newest subscribers. Love you, bro. We're going to have to have you on one of these times, and I guarantee you we're going to make that happen. But I appreciate you, fellas, Michael, Tallman. And for these guys, I'm Chris Patrick, and we will see you next time. Peace.